Well, what we'd like to do now is welcome you to our discussion and frequently asked questions about emotions. Obviously, there are so many things we could talk about about emotions. There are literally thousands of different types of emotions a person can feel. And there's oftentimes many questions, many more thousands of questions that people have about how to work through their emotions and release emotions that are negative, feel positive emotions and so forth. But before we start answering all of these questions with you, what we'd like to do is recommend that you watch the series of frequently asked questions called How the Human Soul Functions. It's under the Human Soul series of FAQs. And we suggest to you that you watch the first three sessions of those series of FAQs before you actually go ahead and watch our answers to people's emotional questions. The really reason why we suggest that is because we feel quite strongly that unless you understand how the soul works, you will probably not understand many of our answers about the questions about emotions. And also, uh, watching that series will let you know why it's so relevant for you to begin to deal with emotions and why it's so important to, in your progress towards God. Yes. So some of these FAQs will come from seminars, some will come from the media interviews or interviews with individuals, and some will come from the interactions that we, myself and Mary have here in a setting like this. And there will be a complete mixture of all different types of questions about emotions and emotional processing and so forth in this section of FAQs about emotions. So we expect there will be many, many sessions. At this stage we've got over 120 or 30 questions prepared uh, which will take us many days to go through, I suggest, and we won't do them all at this week or in the following weeks. But we hope you enjoy our answers to your questions about emotions and emotional processing and other questions associated with emotions. And we hope that they help you become more open to your human soul, the, the soul, the being that you are, and also and, more open to God. Yeah. Yeah. And as always, if you would like to send us questions to have... Um, Jesus or myself answer, you can send them to faq at divinetruth.com. So we know that a lot of you have questions about emotions, um, but please make sure to watch the videos that we have already um, filmed answers to regarding your topic before you send us more questions, because we might have already answered your question. Yes, so we have a group of people that are actually allocating these questions. And obviously sometimes we make slip-ups and we might finish up answering <laughs> the same question <laughs> twice. Um, but most of the time what we're trying to do is be quite concise with these questions. Some of the questions are quite long because the people have given some explanatory text to them. And so naturally they will be quite long on the website and also quite long in the question part of the question that we have to dissect them, <laughs> which we will do through this discussion. So we hope you enjoy this discussion about emotions and also see, start to see through your own aspect of, of practicing and feeling your own emotions how important it is in your relationship with God. This question comes to us from Linda mm -hmm. and she asks, how do I deal with fear while trying to process through physical pain? <laughs> yes, well, even that is a fear-based question, I suppose. Um, this is the issue that most people have with physical pain. They do not allow themselves to feel the physical pain. They're trying to suppress it before they begin. And the problem for most of us is the reason why we have physical pain is because fear exists already. So, so the problem is we need to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by both things. 
both the physical pain and the fear of the pain that we're feeling. Now, most people won't allow that particular process to occur because they feel that becoming overwhelmed with it, become very, they become even more frightened. And, and instead of allowing themselves to feel their fear and shake and, and, and cry or whatever it is that, was go that is going to be needed to feel the fear of their pain, they try to suppress the fear of their pain, which actually will increase the sensation of the pain yes. rather than reduce it. And then, of course, they go and take another option, and that is generally to get some kind of medical form of suppression of the pain. Now, obviously here what we're doing is we're talking about pain that is not like extreme physical pain caused from some extreme accident or sickness or disease. <laughs> like your legs cut off or something Exactly. Like that. We're talking now about pain that, is, uh, that basically occurs every day of our life and that seems to intensify under certain conditions and that we often are resistive to feeling. You will find if you allow yourself to feel and experience fear, you will allow the experience of pain. And also, in the experience of fear, pain will reduce, not increase. Yeah. So if the pain is increasing, it means that you're attempting to suppress your fear of it. And so my suggestion to people is allow the feeling of your fear of the pain that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So that's all I can suggest here without knowing the details of what pain it is and what kind of you know, things being suppressed. From my personal experience, you've helped me a lot with this issue of physical pain mm -hmm. and um, the fear of physical pain. Mm -hmm. And just through once a month, I go through quite a lot of physical pain. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it waxes and wanes, but generally, when I have my period, I get a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And I used to be trying to sort of survive that pain, I suppose, and endure yes. it. And I would be quite rigid in my fear, really, of, of experiencing the pain. Well, I feel you used, to, you used to do a lot of things besides those two things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so you tried to survive it. Mm -hmm. You tried to nurse it sometimes, where you, where you would do something physical to t attempt to alleviate the pain itself yeah. rather than focusing on what may be the cause of such pain. Yeah. And remember, the cause of all pain is the suppression of some emotion. So, so when we're trying to alleviate the pain without fixing the emotion, it's sort of almost counterproductive and counterintuitive. We'd be better off spending our time trying to find what the emotion is that we're trying to suppress that's causing our pain. Yeah. And I find most people are not even using their intellect in that direction. When they're feeling pain, generally they're trying to either get away from it, so they take some kind of pain medication, mm. or what they try to do is suppress the pain using some comfort-based technique, you know, whether yeah. that be food or, you know, a hot water bottle or, yeah. you know, having a nice warm bath or a lovely long shower or some other method that they have to reduce the physical pain rather than allow themselves to feel what the cause may be, they, they are already in suppression of the cause. And in fact, all pain is the result of suppression of the cause. Mm -hmm. So if we've got pain, we're, it's already telling us, if we reflect back to how the human soul functions, the pain is already telling us that we don't understand suppression mm -hmm. and that we don't understand resistance. And that there is some kind of preclusive emotion inside of our soul that's that's causing us, that we're in complete denial of, that we're suppressed and, and resisted completely, that has caused our body now to respond 
to the suppression of that particular emotion. Yeah. And usually it is very much related to the location of the pain mm -hmm. in the body. So for in the case of a woman with her period, it's located in the sexual organs of, uh, you know... The of, reproductive of the organs. reproductive yep. organs of the woman. So the, the, the pain is the suppression of emotion relating to sexuality or reproduction. Mm -hmm. It's got to be. Yep. Otherwise there would be no pain. Yep. So, so there, there'd be pain somewhere else. There'd be pain maybe in the tummy or something like that. Yep. If you're suppressing large amounts of fear, you'll often have pain in the upper part of your abdomen, you know, around your gallbladder, you know, those kind of issues. If you're suppressing rage, you will often have kidney, liver-based issues that cause suppression of pain. If you're suppressing the emotion of uh, worth, low, low self-worth, you'll often have pain in your lower back. And, and your back will have problems. If you're suppressing pain in your shoulder, you're suppressing emotion relating to responsibility, you'll often have pain in your shoulders. If it's your left shoulder, it'll be towards women. If it's your right shoulder, towards men. Now, we could go on and on and on yep. about what body area where you're going to have pain if you suppress emotion. But if we understand the general principle, if I suppress emotion, it will result in pain. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a fact, mm. right? And we need to have faith in that fact. Yeah. So if I am experiencing pain, it means I am suppressing something. I am already suppressing it. And I need to acknowledge that. Now, when, if we could, we could pray about that, if we involved God in that process, or we could try to use our intellect to find out what it might be that we're feeling, you know, a certain feeling about, and, and try to attempt to feel that emotion. We could do either. But at some point, we're going to have to do that. Yeah. if we're ever going to be relieved of our pain. Yeah, yeah. And I, <coughs> sorry, huh? you, yep. Um, I suppose what you have helped me with, and I, knowing Linda actually and knowing her question and where it comes from, she, she acknowledges that she's in suppression of something and this is the cause of her pain. Yes. And she, but she's feeling like, yep, but I just don't hack it. I want to go and take a Panadol. Yes. Um, so she doesn't want to sit in the pain. Yes. So she doesn't want to sit in the results of the suppression or the suppression itself. Yes. And this is what most people do. We, what most people do with suppression of emotion is they suppress the emotion, which then causes pain, and they don't want to feel the result of their suppression of the emotion, which is the pain, and so they go and find something to suppress the pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is how slimy we are as individuals, actually, you know, from God's perspective. We're, we're always trying to slip out of the, <laughs> the real reason of why something is happening. And pain is always the result of a suppression of something. And we need to acknowledge that it's our desire to suppress. The pain is the direct result of our desire to suppress. Mm -hmm. No other reason. If we didn't desire to suppress, then we wouldn't have the pain. Now, when you go and take a Panadol or some other form of med pain medication, that's the label of the pain medication here in Australia, what will happen is that you're just showing that you desire to suppress more. <laughs> and what we need to do is use our intellect and our will to attempt to find out why we have such strong desire to suppress pain, that's, uh, pain and strong desire to suppress the reason why the pain occurred, which is our emotion about that particular area of our body. Mm -hmm. There's something going on inside that particular area of our body that we have had now a long-term suppressive re relationship with that we're in total resistance of, and because it's been such a long-term problem, it's now exhibiting the problem as pain in our physical form. Mm. And we need to understand that. Yeah. So 
to relate um, to my example and how you've helped me, before we met, I would take painkillers once a month. Yes. And while I didn't like that and I thought it was very bad for my liver, that was the only way I could literally get out of bed and function and even then that was like pushing it. Yes. And then when we met and I felt that I, you know, intellectually I wanted to explore divine truth. <laughs> yes. I stopped taking painkillers. I stopped taking any medication. Yeah. Um, for the large part anyway. Yeah. And um, decided I needed to feel. Mm -hmm. Decided intellectually that I needed to feel. But what happened was I would still go and get a hot water bottle yeah. and you could feel from me and you might have to help me with this because I've, I've shifted something here and I'm finding it hard to articulate. Yeah. But um, you would feel from me this feeling of, and I can feel the feeling I had of trying to survive the pain, literally like this it felt like Almost internally. A, it, yeah, what it, the feeling that, that it feels like from a per, third party feeling it is a, a feeling of the person trying to, they're terrified of the pain mm. and they're trying to survive it through some comforting means mm -hmm. rather than just, just uh, allowing the pain to overwhelm them and therefore flow through them. Yes. And it's the suppression of the flow of the pain that actually causes more pain. So it actually increases the amount of pain the person experiences. And this is my experience, exactly yes. what you described. So we had a discussion, just simply one discussion about this once. And I realised I was trying to do this and I decided to experiment with just Breathing. sort of surrendering to the pain. Yes. Just a, instead of trying to, or it felt like emotionally go like this towards the pain. So rejection of the pain. That I would go into the pain and I hate using these airy-fairy ways of, or so esoteric a, it, ways of... It was a, a desire uh, to feel it instead. Yes. So you allowed yourself to actually soften to the feeling of it. Exactly. Yes. And in doing that, my pain reduced. And, and sometimes it, disappeared. Sometimes totally disappeared or yeah. would be there, what I would usually experience for 36 hours would be there for one hour. Yes. And so that H can... However. That's, can that's, say, that's, that's where however. I'm going. Yes. The however is the actual pain still appears every month. Yes. Which is an indication that there is still the suppression of the emotional cause. So while now you are accepting the pain and you are allowing the feeling and experience of such pain, there is still the disallowance of the feelings associated with its emotional cause. Now, in your case, you know that the emotional cause is associated with many events in the first century relating to sexuality and also relating to um, childbirth, childbirth and also the torture of your death. And my death and, and so many things. There's many emotions involved that you are going to need to allow yourself at some point to, um, to actually experience. And at the moment, you are still resistive to experiencing those emotions and so the pain still occurs or reoccurs every yes. month. However, now that you know that if you resist the pain, it makes it worse, you are now not resisting the pain and so you find it goes away within an hour or a few hours instead of there being days and days and days of, of large discomfort where you're almost bedridden or are bedridden, um, you now have only an hour or a few hours where you feel that way and, and you know that you've got to focus back on the yeah, pain I and feeling the pain again. I, I spend that time 
you know, I, and have intellectual acknowledgement of the causes. Yes. But allowing that pain and. Um, I'm very aware that obviously I'm still suppressing the causes, otherwise the pain wouldn't exist. Correct. Um, but this process of even just allowing the surrender to pain, or, or whatever I'm calling it, yeah. um, has reduced my fear of all physical pain. Yes. And I suppose that Linda's question was how do I deal with fear while trying to process physical pain? Yes. Um, so can you see that what's happened is that you've reduced your fear of physical pain, but your fear of emotional pain still remains, it's still quite high. And while our fear of emotional pain is present, it will prevent us from actually going through the process of not creating pain. Yes. So in other words, we will always create pain while we fear the emotional pain will create physical pain when we fear the emotional pain. So the secret now is to go through this process of working through your fear of emotional pain, which you mm -hmm. know you've been doing for many months now. And it's the fear of emotional pain which is the main cause of the physical pain. Yeah. And, and we need to understand these relationships if we're ever going to stop them from occurring. Now, once we understand that it's our fear of emotional pain that's actually creating our physical pain, it tends to suggest that our emotional pain uh, is far greater in our mind mm -hmm. and far more uh, terrifying in our soul to feel than the physical pain is even because we're prepared to feel the physical pain rather than feel the emotional pain. Yeah. And I find this is an interesting aspect about many of us, is that because we have shut down our souls so much and we've shut down the expression of, of, our, of the emotional pain so much, of course our bodies are going to revert to displaying to us the pain that we feel emotionally as a physical symptom. Mm. And, and this is a actually loving thing God has done. God's basically saying, look, there's the one level of or layer of resistance that you've placed in, and that is your emotional resistance to feeling emotional pain. And when you do that, you start getting physical pain. So this is now telling you, there's the second layer. Now you have another layer of choice. Are you going to also, <laughs> are you also going to, it's like completely suppress the physical pain, or are you going to acknowledge to yourself, ah, this is the, this is all caused because I have decided to suppress my emotional pain. Mm. And, and once we become more self-responsible, we start going, well, I actually, I don't want to keep going to this physical pain all the time on a regular basis. What I need to do instead is feel the emotional pain that creates it. Once you choose to do that, the physical symptoms will, if you find the, the emotional pain that caused that problem, the physical symptoms will completely disappear yeah. and the, the body itself will repair any damage that was done to that part of the body after the physical symptoms have disappeared. So you're saying really that it's a question again about will? Yes. And a softening to and a desire to find our 
emotional pain that is the cause. Correct. But also, using my example, there is a process of even softening to physical pain that many of us are resisting. Yes, and also seeing the relationship. Between the physical pain and, and the, the emotional, emotional pain. pain. Exactly. Yeah. Most people don't do that. Most people are completely disconnected from the relationship between the physical and emotional pain. The physical pain is the effect of the suppression of the emotional pain. And we need to understand this relationship. This is one relationship that the majority of people on this planet do not understand. And so it's natural that many of us have grown up with a complete disconnection to this relationship. Mm. But we need to have some faith that this is the relationship that we uh, have to become aware of. And in fact, God has created this way in love of us. So that, so that we, God, God's saying to us, look, you suppress this emotional pain you have and this physical pain is the consequence of the suppression of the emotional pain. And now you've got two types of pain. Yeah. And what I'm basically showing you is that if you suppress emotional pain, you not only have emotional pain, but you now also have the additional physical pain as a result. Mm. And he's trying to show you that suppression is not the way to go, <laughs> right? So we talked in how the human soul functions about suppression, yeah. and a person needs to learn about suppression. But that one of the things they need to learn about suppression is that it is not the solution to any problem. Yeah. And this is something that God is trying to teach everybody on this planet. Suppression of a problem and suppression of the effect of a problem is not the solution to the problem. The only way to solve a problem is get to its cause. And the cause of physical pain isn't some kind of malfunction in your body. It's caused by, although, you know, that could be there is a malfunction in your body to yes. cause physical pain. But that's an effect But that's of, the effect yeah. of a cause which resides within your soul that's emotional. Mm. And there is something going on emotional that has caused you, that, that you now have suppressed, intentionally suppressed, that creates the physical pain. And if the physical pain becomes chronic and it becomes like part of your life, it is because you are willing to make the emotional suppression a part of your life. Yeah of that particular emotion that causes the physical pain. Now, in this discussion, it's, it's impossible to say what emotional suppression causes what disease, because there's literally thousands of diseases on this planet, all of which, and pains and aches and all sorts of problems, which are caused by different suppressions of different emotions, and that is identical in each person. So, for example, if you, through the suppression of an emotion, which is related to wanting to get approval from mothers, and you feel a lot of anger with your mother, but you want to suppress that, and you want to, through addiction, get lovely feelings from women, you will probably get cancer in your right breast at some point in your life. Mm. Right? Now, there is a direct relationship of every person who has cancer in the right breast to that emotion. Your right breast or your left breast? Uh, sorry, left breast. Yeah. Left breast, because it's your mother. Yeah. But yeah, left breast is a direct relationship between everybody who has cancer to that emotion. Mm. Every, every single woman who gets cancer in her left breast has that emotion. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is the beauty of the way God's done things. It's not based on your personality as to why you get a certain disease. Mm. <laughs> it's not based on some kind of individuality that you get a certain disease. It's the direct result of the suppression of specific emotions yep. that cause specific diseases and specific accidents even are caused by the same kind of suppressions. Once we understand this relationship, we start not looking at, well, what's this and what's that? We start acknowledging that we are in suppression, yep. which is essential. 
So we first need to acknowledge that we are suppressing our emotion. That's the reason why we've got this physical pain. This is why we've got the physical disease. This is why we've got the physical problem. And running to a some kind of medical solution to that, while it may relieve the symptoms, it does not relieve the cause, and so therefore the symptoms are going to continue to be created. Mm -hmm. What we need to do instead is go back to the fact that we are suppressing an emotion and the pain in the, the location of the body is directly related to the suppression of the emotion that causes a physical problem of the flow of energy in that part of the body. And we need to understand that. And once we start understanding that, we give up the concept that suppression is the answer. Yeah. We start going, okay, I'm just causing my own pain. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm causing my own diseases. Yeah. I, I'm now starting to take responsibility for the fact that is that is my choice to suppress. And remember, in the how the human soul functions, we say we said that the choice to suppress was pushed upon us, usually by our environment. So we're not condemning the person for a choice to suppress, but we're saying you're willing to choose to maintain the suppression, and that's what's causing this damage to your body. Yeah. Stop that, and the damage to your body will cease. That's the reality. Mm. And so that's the secret to dealing with all the pain yep. and with regard to fear. Well, fear is a separate emotion altogether. Fear is an emotion that is not even real in many cases. Oftentimes we fear things that are not real. They have been real in our past, mm -hmm. but they are not real right now. So, so for example, a, a woman who's been raped, for example, who then starts having problems with her reproductive organs in terms of pains, uh, at different times, she don't necessarily be raped again, but she is probably afraid of that thing. Yeah. And she is also afraid of feeling all of the feelings associated with her rape. Mm -hmm. And that is what is causing her to now have pain. So my suggestion to her would be, allow yourself to go through the feelings of rape. I know it's very, very difficult. I have been raped, you have been raped. We both know that it's very, very difficult to go through those emotions, but you need to allow yourself to go through those emotions if you're ever going to be, you know... Free of free pain of or pain. free of emotional pain. Yeah, anyway. free of yeah. emotional pain. So, so this is a very, very essential thing to do and allow yourself to do. And, and what we'd recommend then is to start seeing fear as just a feeling. Mm. It is not the end of your life, it is not the end of your existence, it's not the end of all things, yep. it is just an emotion that you need to allow yourself to fully feel. Yep. And when you do that, without judgment, you will feel it, and then of course the fear of feeling emotions will dissipate. Mm. And then of course you'll start feeling the different emotions. Yep. Yep. So when we're having difficulties enduring or coping with physical pain, there's a number of things that we need to work through. One is our resistance to just allowing ourselves to experience the pain. Correct, because we, because we shouldn't be enduring it, we should just be allowing it. Allowing it, it. Yes. yes. But it is that state of like feeling we can't bear it or can't cope with it that causes us to seek out some other solution, solution isn't it? Yes. So that's the first issue. Yeah. And then there's So now we're working back, by the way, yes, aren't we? Yes, we're going so back. So we're going backwards from our physical pain. Yes. Our physical pain is the long-term effect of long-term <laughs> suppression of long-term fear of emotion. Exactly. Right. So if I'm here today mm -hmm. in a lot of physical pain, yep. the first step is to allow the feeling of the physical allow pain. Allow the feeling of the physical pain and not try to run from it. Correct. And that 
not so magically actually makes the pain reduce. It does. Um, but it will return. Of course. Because unless we are ready to feel the next step. The next step. Which is allow yourself to feel that you want to suppress an emotion. Yeah. The feeling, the desire to suppress. And so it's the feeling, the desire of wanting to suppress that is actually even the next step we can take while we're still in the physical pain. Correct. We know intellectually, well, this is here because I have a long-term suppression of an emotional pain from yes. what you just said. Yep. And so um, now that I'm in the physical pain, I know intellectually where that's the cause, I might not know even the specific emotion I'm suppressing, but I know it comes from that. Yeah. So obviously I'm going to need to work through my resistance to feeling uh, and my desire to suppress and yes. begin and to feel that emotion. And that's all about your beliefs about suppression. You think that suppression is going to work when it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. You think that suppression is the way to use your soul. It's not the way to use your soul. The human soul doesn't function with suppression very well at all. And so you need to understand a lot of the truths about suppression. And that's really where this preclusion concept that we also talked about comes in, isn't it? While we have the belief inside of us that suppression works... Then we're going to be precluded from taking any action <laughs> against suppression. Yeah. Yep. So we have to emotionally connect to that. Correct. Progress through emotionally. And many of us need to connect to the emotion that of... I want suppression to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's this feeling of anger in us, many of us. I want suppression. I want to be able to suppress. Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't it work? <laughs> I want it to work, you know. And we need to feel that anger that we have mm -hmm. about the fact that, no, we weren't created this way. We weren't created for suppression to actually work. We were created for it to not work, in mm. fact. And once we get through that anger and resistance to suppression, we then realise that suppression is a useless tool that we're attempting to use that has no positive effect whatsoever aside from causing more pain. Yeah. And, and once we come to acknowledge that emotionally, and we will probably cry a fair bit to acknowledge that emotionally, then it's highly likely we'll be willing to get to what is the actual individual emotion that causes pain in that location of my body. Mm. And that might be anything, it depends, it depends on where the pain is in your body. From your head to your toe, there's different pains that could be caused by different uh, suppression of different emotions. So that could be almost anything we could discuss there. But the key is to go through that process of firstly, no longer trying to deny the pain and accepting it and feeling the, feeling the pain itself, then going into this next state where we realise it's all about suppression, going through our resistance to, not, to, to, to wanting to continue... Yep. We, we want to continue suppressing, so we're resistant to not suppressing anymore. We need to go through that emotion. And then we realise the truths about suppression and how suppression is actually a damaging thing to us, damaging thing to our soul. That's a wonderful state to get into once mm -hmm. you realise that. And then once you get beyond that, you'll start looking at the resistance you have to that specific emotion, emotion. that causes that specific pain. Yeah. Great. And you can't skip over any of those <laughs> states, generally. No. If, if you've created the pain, then you're going to have to uncreate it through this process. Yeah, and yeah. That, I've, that's a great point that you make because I know a lot of people think, I just got to get to the causal emotion and then, it, then all this pain will disappear and I'm going to do it in the next 10 minutes while I'm in the pain. And <laughs> Highly really, unlikely. It's really unlikely that you're going to be able to do that because you've yeah. suppressed so long that you've the created pain. pain. Yeah, so it's a chronic problem. Yeah. If, it, if, it got, if it gets to the state where you're feeling pain as a result of it, it's a very bad problem. 
you know. And I still have some very bad problems in my own body, particularly in my you know lower back bowel region, because of uh, worth issues. And and it's been a chronic problem all my life. I had a pro you know, it was a problem when I was two years of age. Yeah. And and this is usually the result. Uh, you know, it's a, a lo long term pains that you're trying to undo, and it does take time to get to them. Many of them are uh, are emotions that we have heavy resistance with, that we don't want to feel because they feel like they're just too hard to feel. Mm. And we need to even work through that emotion. And this is the beauty of having a relationship with God. We can eventually grow our faith that actually any emotion can be experienced as long as we have God with us going, you know, helping us through the experience. And once we start getting to that state, we are much more readily open to experiencing and being overwhelmed by our emotion in any direction. Yeah. 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 So that's basically the process we need to go through to address the pain and the fear of our pain. Fantastic. <laughs> so hopefully that's helped, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> this is a question from somebody else. Mm -hmm. I feel blocked. Is it terror blocking me? Is it a matter of time? If I keep on feeling anxiety and fear, more anxiety and fear, will tears finally come? Mm. Well, let's look at this matter of time thing first, shall we? Because yeah. uh, we need to dissect this question a little. No, it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of will. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, we, we often hear people saying, oh, it's just time, extra time. I need more time. Eventually it will come. No, it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of your will, how you exercise your will. That determines what happens here. Yeah. And while you may need time to develop your will, mm -hmm. which is definitely true, you don't need to wait to some mysterious <laughs> and magical moment, <laughs> which will never occur actually, yeah. for you to feel into your emotions. Yeah. And the tears will not finally come if you believe it's just a matter of time. What will happen is many years will pass and eventually you will pass mm. and you'll still be waiting for the time for you to feel your emotions. So my suggestion is to not do that. For a person who's struggling to feel their emotions, particularly if they know grief is, is there or any other emotion is there, the better course of action is to acknowledge that they do not wish to feel it and to be honest with themselves that they are allowed to not to wish not. to feel it. Yeah. They're allowed to take that opportunity that God's given them through the free will, the gift of free will, to not feel the emotion. They would also, if they were honest with themselves, acknowledge that that's probably going to cause some problems in their future if they still retain that viewpoint. Yeah. <laughs> and, and do they really have a desire to feel? Now, most people, if they're honest with themselves, would have to, I would suggest, they would have to see eventually that they probably don't have strong desire to feel. The, the tears themselves, which are going to be painful, or the fears that cover their tears, mm -hmm. the different things they are terrified of uh, about feeling emotion. And, and we have to develop our will somehow to get out of suppression resistance to dealing with emotion itself. So I would suggest to any person who feels blocked that you have a large suppression of, the de of a desire to deal with any emotion. And my suggestion to you first would to be to feel about your emotional belief systems around why you believe 
suppression and resistance should be your cause of action. Mm. And many times you will feel large amounts of anger and rage when you go through these kind of emotions. Anger with God, anger with you know how God designed you and all these kind of things. And eventually you'll get to a point of surrendering to the fact that God designed you this way. Yep. Now once you get to the point of surrendering to that, you now have the opportunity to examine the individual points of why you suppress and why you resist your emotion. Because that is the causes of blockages to all of your emotions that are causal. Mm -hmm. And so the next layer then becomes examining your addictions. So you need to now say to yourself, okay, I am a master at blocking my emotions, so I must have a lot of addictions in play that help me keep my emotions suppressed. Yep. And now it's a matter of seeing those addictions in your day-to-day -day life and wanting to become aware of them. And again, that is an exercise of your will. will. <laughs> So while you resist seeing your addictions, you will never feel your emotions. And you need to see that. There is a direct correlation between you wanting to retain your addictions and your inability to feel emotion. Because addictions are all about suppressing emotions and getting emotions that help you suppress other emotions. So you need to be honest about your addictions. So this requires self-analysis, self, some kind of self-awareness. And though, so that now is an exercise, again, of the will to go into the stage of wanting to see your addictions. Mm. Now, once you've exercised your will and wanting to see your addictions, you'll probably end up with a very long list <laughs> of all of your addictions. And physical pain in your body is an indication of all of your addictions. They are all the areas where you're suppressing the emotion associated with, with, the, with causal emotion. So, so now you've gone through your addictions, you're looking at your addictions, and you become aware through the process of focusing and feeling the addictions. Remember, this is a feeling process, mm -hmm. not an intellectual one. Mm -hmm. You need to feel every addiction that you have. Every desire you have to suppress something has to be felt. Right? And then the reason for such a desire to suppress will be felt. Hmm. Once you do that, you will start getting into this state of feeling some of the fears hmm. associated with your addictions. Every fear you suppress creates an addiction. So every time you try to get away with feeling something because you're afraid, you will create an addiction to help you suppress the emotion that you need to feel. So then you start feeling your fears. And fears are all sets of emotional beliefs, all created usually between the age of, uh, of, of our, our um, conception, conception and seven years of age. Usually all of our fears, emotional fears, are firmly entrenched by the age of seven. And we are going to need to go back in our memory, this will help us, to access events in our life that caused us to believe that suppression is the way of life mm -hmm. and resistance to feeling emotion is the way that we need to live. And we need to feel them. We'll need to feel those events. So we need to remember the events and allow ourselves to feel them. Now, obviously, this is going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take time as well in the sense that we're going to have to give it time. 
See, most people don't give it time. Yeah. What they do is they go, oh, I've, I, I, you know, I've got this and I've got that and I've got this, but they still work 40 hours a week. They still, like, the rest of the time go out and play soccer, do this, do that, watch telly, do all these other things, you know, mobile phone, TV, videos, <laughs> you know, all these different things. And in the end, they're left with one hour a week for themselves to, to examine themselves. Now, I suggest to you, if you do one, this one hour a week, yeah, you're going to feel... Like 10 years later, you're still going to feel you'll not have accomplished much. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of emotional focus to actually allow yourself to become conscious of what's really going on within you mm. with regard to your emotions. And if you ever want to be at one with God, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it to become at one with God. You don't have to do it to have a semblance of a life, but you also need to do it if you ever want to have a purely happy life. You're going to have to do it at some point. And what we find most people do at that stage, they go, I don't want to do it now. I haven't got the time to do it now. But to be frank, you make the time to do it now because it's the most important thing. Because if you don't do it now, every aspect of your life is going to be the result of the suppression. Everything you do is going to be a complete result of what you're suppressing. Yeah. So I'd suggest to people, look, stop thinking that suppression is your answer, because it is not. It is not the way to happiness. You are never going to get complete happiness using suppression. What you're going to need to do is go through this gradual process, which is going to require an extreme exercise of your willpower to get down to the facts of your life. Mm. And you are going to need to do this with God's help and the help of your guides, you are going to need to do this for yourself and you're going to have to develop a desire for yourself to do it. Yeah. No one else can, is responsible. There are people that can help you, but none of the people who can really help you will ever take responsibility for you to do it, for, mm. for, for, off of you to do it. And also, if they feel that you're not responsible, they won't help you. Yeah. <laughs> if they truly love you, they want you to see your personal responsibility to do it first. Now that means taking action of all kinds, talking about your feelings and emotions, talking about your childhood, but also um, uh, writing about it, reflecting upon it, spending this personal time so that you eventually get access to these emotions that you're suppressing and blocking. Yeah. So this is the process that I suggest to anybody who's blocked. These are the actions you're going to have to take. If yeah you ever want to get beyond your blockages. And it is not a matter of time. It is a matter of how much you use your will and how much you're willing to spend time doing that. <laughs> it's not just a matter of time magically that these things will occur. These things will only occur if you have a very definite exercise of your will in that direction. Mm. The only way I have ever personally progressed is by an extreme exercise of my own will. Yeah, yeah. Mm. If we go back to the question, perhaps, mm -hmm. um, because, and it's hard to know because these questions have come to us from all over, over a long period of time, so it's hard to know exactly what this person is meaning because it does contradict itself a little bit. Sure, certainly. So if we go back over it. Yes. The first <laughs> statement is, I feel blocked. Yes. And then the next statement, or the next question is, is it terror blocking me? Yes. And you've just gone... It's a whole series of things blocking her. Yeah, you've gone through yeah. this... Um... Blocked is the final state, and backwards from that state uh, is 
belief systems, suppression, and terror, fear. Yeah. But but before fear, addictions. Yes. You know, so back if we go backwards, there's there's the block state, the result, and if we go back, there's a whole series of things blocking you, not just terror. Yes. So it's, addictions. It's, it's oversimplifying things to say it's just terror. Yes. And then and then the question sort of changes a little and says, is it a matter of time? If I keep feeling anxiety and fear, more anxiety and fear, will tears finally come? And you've said it's definitely not about time; it's about will. Yes. But then, the, but then there's the second half of the question. It's hard to know. Is, is are they saying are they? It contradicts itself. If we're blocked, we're not feeling anxiety and fear for a <laughs> Probably start. Probably not. No. However, see, most people believe they're feeling anxiety and fear when all they're doing is living in anxiety yes. and fear. Yeah. And I'd suggest that this person is living in an anxiety and fear rather than feeling anxiety and fear. When you feel anxiety and fear as a causal emotion, it dissipates, it goes away. If you're living in anxiety and fear, it's with you every day. It, seems it never to go goes on away. On. It goes on and on and on. And if and I, so I would suggest this lady, is, I think it's a lady, is not feeling her anxiety and fear. She is living in her anxiety and fear. And that's really important, isn't it, for yes. people to come to understand this difference between living in an emotion, which is basically having a sensation of the emotion and then acting in every way to prevent that emotion overwhelming us. Correct. Which is very different from having a sensation of the emotion and allowing it to overwhelm us. And going through and the experience. going through it. Then exactly. we're feeling it. And in the first case, we're living in it. Correct. And so if we're feeling, oh, I'm anxious and afraid, I'm anxious and afraid, but we're always acting to allay that, yeah. um, then we can't really say we're feeling it. No. And we will feel blocked. Of course we'll be blocked. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we need to differentiate here, of yep. course, between the feeling of an emotion, which is actually a relieving process, mm -hmm. and the suppression of the feeling of the emotion and living in it instead, yep. which is the day-to-day -day living with the emotion. It's like day-to-day -day living with pain. It's yep. the same thing. It's caused by suppression of the emotion. It's caused by not feeling the emotion. So when we day-to-day -day live in fear and we day-to-day -day are anxious, we are not releasing the emotion. So we're not experiencing it. We are taking actions to try and alleviate it. We're taking addictive, we're doing addictive things in our day-to-day -day life to attempt to alleviate the experience of it. Now, any sadness that we feel in that state is only rebellion. Mm. It's a rebellion against having to feel the emotion. Yeah. Right? Right. So we have a cry that we have to, that we feel sad, that, that we feel anxious every day. But that's not feeling why we feel anxious every day. Mm -hmm. So it requires far more exercise of our willpower to get into why. Mm. And that requires far more self-analysis than just going, oh, I'm blocked, yeah. you know, uh, is it because I'm terrified? Yeah. You know, the reality is if you're truly analytical in terms of not analytical intellectually, but you're actually, you're desiring to know, by now a person who's blocked would know. Yeah. If they desired to know what was causing their blockages, they would know. Yeah. God answers the questions of sincere individuals. So every person who's sincerely asking a question, if there's a question is, is it my terror that's causing my blockages? Uh, the, God would already be answering that question, yeah. right? And, and in most cases, it's not terror that's causing the blockages. It's addictions that are causing the blockages. And it's the terror or the lack of wanting to feel the terror 
that causes the addictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so most of the time our blockages are directly caused by our desire to remain in addiction with the world. Yeah. 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 And this is something that many of us need to address. Mm. And an important distinction to recognise that many of us feel our experience of feeling emotions um, has just, for a lot of us, because we live in so much suppression, has really just been yeah. a, a weak sensation of that feeling. Correct. Uh, yeah. When actually, when we use our will in this way, we're going to feel things in a much more overwhelming and intense way. Exactly. Yeah. So what I would suggest to such a person, there's mm -hmm. quite a few videos we might suggest besides the human soul frequently yeah. asked questions is uh, to actually perhaps watch the videos that we did in the in the assistance group in the USA in 2013 where yeah. we talked about addictions yes and how addictions cause us to suppress emotionally uh, it's great for them to watch that particular those sections of videos we're also starting we started up this year a series of videos which we haven't completed yet all about emotions and the essential things that we need to understand about emotions, mm -hmm. which we started down in Kentucky and New South Wales, and that was in February of this year. And so I would suggest the person finds those two sets of videos, yes. uh, there's quite a lot of material there, yeah. and actually looks through and sincerely asks themselves, what do they think is the cause of their own blockages? Mm. Yeah. We need to take responsibility for the fact that we create our own blockages. Yeah, and that this this beautiful thing that you said at the beginning that it's not a matter of time it's a matter of will, will. and yep. a lot of us go on just waiting for things to get so bad that suddenly we deal or we have magical thinking that somehow it's going to magically pop out of us exactly when really you're saying it's very much about how we exercise our will and coming to grips with that that we're responsible for that yeah. is, a, is a big issue yes most of us want a magical solution we do you know, if we're honest with ourselves, the majority of us want a magical solution. We don't want to have to exercise our will to feel an emotion in order to cure ourselves. We want Jesus to come along and cure us. <laughs> That's what we want. And it doesn't work that way. The very first thing I had to do myself in the first century is learn how to cure myself through this process of understanding my own soul and how God created it to function and then working through the layers of any resistance that I might have had to that functioning. And I had to get myself out of, through that state to actually understand and get into a state where God's love could throw through me and then cure, help cure other people. Mm. But even then, I couldn't cure other people indiscriminately. I could only cure them if they had the same attitude of wanting to find the underlying reason for why they created the you know, what was the cause within them for their own illnesses and diseases. Mm -hmm. so, so you've got to be very careful with what you presume here. Everybody seems to want a magical solution to addressing things like blockages and why they're, why they're emotionally blocked and so forth. But the real solution is being sincere and pure in your desire to come to God's love and therefore work through any resistance within you that causes you to be out of harmony with that. That is what is going to cure every problem. And if, if that's not happening, if you're blocked from that happening, it's because no sincere desire really exists yet. Yeah. And we need to understand that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And work through the reasons why no desire exists. Yeah. Work through, find the reason. Be sincere about that. 
instead of just hoping that some magical solution with some magical answer and some magical person will come <laughs> along and do it all for you because that is not going to happen here or in the spirit world yeah. now that you have many helpers but all they can do is work with your desire mm -hmm. they can work they can only work with your will yeah. they can't force you into feeling some emotion that you don't want to feel and God will not force you into feeling emotion you do not want to feel and unless you're really ready to feel the emotion you don't want to feel you're going to remain blocked so somebody's going to have to exercise <laughs> their will here and only person who has control of your soul is you yeah. and so it's going to be your will that has to be exercised to change yeah, yeah. You know, it's such an important thing that God wants us to learn and it's really about becoming the full expression of our personality, isn't it? Yes. Embracing our will and understanding it and using it and, yes. and coming to love that it is ours and yes. that we can make choices. And, yeah. and, and understanding that everything that is happening to me is the expression of my own will in some way. Yeah. I need to come and see, I need to go and see that and take responsibility for that rather than trying to think that somebody else will come along and rescue me from, from having to go through those particular things. There, there is no, it is not loving for someone to rescue you from what is your intention. You know, even if your intention is exercised in a direction that causes your own pain, mm -hmm. it's still not loving for someone to rescue you from that. It's loving for someone to try to assist you to see the need to change but it's not loving for someone to come along and just change you without your will being involved. Yeah. So we all need to exercise our will more positively if we ever want to find our blockages and work through our emotions properly. And like I said, it's been, I've had to exercise an extreme amount of willpower to get to some of my emotions. And to be honest, I've yet to exercise <laughs> enough willpower to get to some of them. Yeah. And this is why I'm still not in that pure condition again. And, and so, you know, it does take a lot of effort, a lot of time and a lot of sincere desire to be developed before you can actually get to that state. Yeah, and I suppose I have the privilege of living with you and seeing how um, dedicated you are to that process. Mm -hmm. And I often um, feel that a lot of people have this expectation of you to be perfect as Jesus or that you're somehow special or it's somehow easier for you or... Um, that it's somehow the rules don't apply <laughs> or that it, just because you're Jesus, God loves you better and so it's easier. And, um, and that's not the case at all. No. In fact, I face many more extreme emotions than the average person faces along with 2,000 years of memory that I've got to process. And so it's often very, very difficult to go through different processes for me emotionally. But I exercise my will to do so. And that's what I see, that you take it seriously. You practice very firmly what you preach. Mm -hmm. you, if you are aware of something within yourself, you don't make excuses for that. You don't try to avoid that. Or if you do, you're honest about that also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly when there's issues affecting your love of others, you take that extremely seriously mm. immediately and um, even my love of environment and, and animals and birds and other creatures yeah I take very seriously yeah. yeah and so I I am witness to how much will is required and I'm still growing that desire to have my will developed that much that it becomes my 
number one priority in every moment yes. to grow in this way and yes. to honour the principles of how the soul functions, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the way I see it for my personal life is that I feel the primary reason why I came here was to demonstrate from this condition of sin or the condition of emotional error, if we can call it that, condition of emotions out of harmony with love, mm. what I, w I wanted to demonstrate, how to get from that condition back into that one with God. So I sort of see it almost as my work, if you like. <laughs> so, so it's my primary <laughs> job. job. <laughs> um, not that I see it as such, but uh, it, it's sort of like I do see it partly like that because it, it feels to me like what's the point of coming here and going through this experience again um, and losing a lot of the things that I had before then to come here um, if I'm not going to come here for the purpose I came here. Yeah. And so I, I'm very focused on it. No, this is something that the earth needs to know about. It's a very, it's a, it's a, it, it will solve so many of individuals and collectively, it will solve so much of the earth's problems if people understood how to do it and they need someone to show them how to do it. And so, so that's why I want to do it because yeah. I, that's one of the reasons, not the only, and it's not my primary reason, mm -hmm. but it's one of the reasons. Is a, as an act of love towards others to show them what to do. And what I'm suggesting to all of the people listening to this question is that you are going to have to develop an extreme amount of will to progress in the manner that I am trying to demonstrate to you if you want to progress in the world as it is today. Yeah. And in many years to come, that might not be the case. Yeah. You know, people, Lots of people might change and lots of people may be around you demonstrating how to change and it might be much easier, but at the moment... In 2014, there's going to be a, a large amount of your, uh, the exercise of your willpower to actually go through this process and you're going to need to give yourself time and love yourself through this process mm. if you're ever going to do it. But by doing that, that becomes a very beautiful part of your soul that you've developed mm -hmm. and <clears throat> that will developed under what are at times... Extreme duress, shall we call it? <laughs> opposition. That becomes, in a way, you are developing things that many people who've been in the spirit world a long time, um, in sometimes better conditions, if you like, have not developed it in the same way, have they? Correct. There is, there is just, I feel passionately about the beauty of developing one's will and one's faith on earth. On earth. Because it does you so well for the rest of your life. Yes. Um, yeah. We we have experienced the joys of the two thousand years that we had in the spirit world, primarily because of the exercise of our will on earth. Mm. And, and it, we had to do it under extreme conditions, and uh, when you have to do it under extreme conditions, you honour it. Yeah. And and un and unfortunately, there are many people on earth and in the spirit world that do not honour the exercise of their will, nor do they take responsibility for it. Mm. And that is one of the main problems that causes them to not progress. So, so these are some of the blockages, the resistances that people have towards progression. Yeah. And, and I feel that uh, you know, it's very important to understand that blockages are self-caused. Mm. They are not caused by your environment. And this is, this is where we need to take responsibility for all of the blockages that we have. It doesn't mean that we need to punish ourselves for them. <laughs> we just need to take responsibility for them. We need to see that it is the direct result of our own action yep. that blockages are occurring. 
And until we do, we won't take full responsibility for the changing of that block. Correct. So we'll wait for some magical cure. Exactly. The, mm. We feel that the fault is outside of ourselves and so the, you know, the alleviation of it is, yeah. should come from outside. And when we recognise that, no, this block is in me because of choices I'm making, I've chosen to be blocked on this issue, yeah. then we realise we can make a different choice, don't we? Exactly. Yeah. So it's such an essential thing. Yeah. And, and what I'd encourage people to do who feel blocked is to take more self-responsibility and take more action to helping their own soul unblock because they, in the end, are completely responsible for the development of their own soul. Mm. Other people can assist them and help them, but unless they are prepared to go through a process where they are willing to open up the reasons why they are suppressing, work through all of their addictions, work through all their fears and eventually get down to the grief that causes a lot of what they're suffering, they will not grow and they will not change and they will always remain blocked. And it doesn't matter how much time you go <laughs> past, you can remain blocked for many thousands of years. And we have observed many people remain blocked for thousands of years. We have friends who were with us in the first century, in the first century life that we had, and they are still in the hells of the spirit world today because they chose to exercise their will in an unloving manner towards themselves and others and remain blocked to the truth. And so, you know, they, they, you can't say enough about exercising your will in a different direction to that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. This person asks, I often intellectually know what the underlying causal emotion or issue is, but I find it difficult to feel the emotion. How do I experience the deep emotion that needs to be accessed? Well, firstly, this statement uh, that you often intellectually know what the underlying causal emotion is, to me, is also uh, a bit of an intellectual tomfoolery that we play with ourselves. And most of the time, you don't know, to be honest. And it's only when you actually feel an emotion that most of the time you know what its cause is. Mm. So any person who believes they intellectually know what their emotions are, but they're not feeling them, it's highly unlikely they actually do intellectually know what their emotions are. Yeah. And it's, even if they do intellectually know what their emotions are, that, that will not necessarily help you to feel it. So, so you might as well give up the whole process of trying to intellectually know anything and even stop telling yourself that you intellectually know things. You see, everything your mind processes comes from your soul anyway. And if your soul hasn't released a specific emotion yet, then you don't know it either at your soul level or, or intellectually. Yeah. So it's pointless telling yourself that you do. Oftentimes we want to tell ourselves that we do because we're addicted to the concept that we know. We, we want, we, we, and in fact, we use knowledge as a way of allaying fear. Mm. So we try to tell ourselves, oh, I, I don't have to be so afraid of that now that I know something about it. And that's where our problems all start. And in fact, the whole reason why we're not feeling underlying causal emotions is generally, as we've already explained in other FAQs on this emotional subject, and that is generally we are either in denial, we are in addiction, or we're terrified. <laughs> we're afraid. It, it's usually one of those three reasons. Now, obviously, we need to go down through those particular processes 
And if a person looks at, I think it was the previous FAQ I answered, FAQ uh, on, in this session, yeah. they'll have the answer of how to go down through all of those emotions. Sure. So I feel in this person's case, they need to firstly stop telling themselves that they intellectually know things. You don't know anything until you process through it emotionally. Until then, you're just regurgitating memories or, or you could say words that have been spoken to you. You don't really know much more than that at that mm. point. And it can even just be a theoretical idea, can't it? Of I, I feel like, oh, I think it's probably this because of these factors, yes. but there's been no feeling no. involved in establishing that theory, really. Of course, and also the problem with trying to do this, the problem with intellectually knowing something, causes you to try to access an emotion that often is not present mm. or often has layers of other emotions on top of it that you first need to feel. Yeah. And so, so for example, a lot of people have a lot of rage which they don't wish to acknowledge. They feel embarrassed about acknowledging it or they feel uh, that they shouldn't have it or, and they have lots of other judgments about the anger that they have within them. And so what they do is they tell themselves they don't have any anger. Right? Mm -hmm. And the same applies with many of their addictions. Like most people have huge amounts of addictions in play in their day to day life, all suppressing certain fears and certain grief. Yeah. But, but what they tell themselves is they don't have those addictions. It's not an addiction that caused them to do this today or yesterday or, or you know, caused them to eat this food or caused them to go and do this thing with another person. They tell themselves it was a pure desire. So they're always trying to feed intellectually. You're always trying to feed yourself validation of why your soul wishes to hang on to its suppression and its resistance. Yeah. So the problem with any intellectual processing, mm -hmm. if it's not, is that it's tainted with a lack of logic most of the time until you process through the emotion. Yeah. And, and while it's tainted with a lack of logic, you can guess that you have certain causal emotions or you can assume that because certain events happen to you, you must have certain emotions. But that doesn't help you actually get into the emotions. What's going to help you is to be far more honest about the suppression and the resistance that you have and then allow yourself to go through the rage first, the anger that you have, down into your, which, which comes from your addictions not getting met, down into the addictions, the expectations and demands that you have that you would like to have met and then through them into the actual fears that you actually have that, that, that are, are often suppress the grief. Mm -hmm. so, so what we need to do is go through that particular process. Now, the, the average person doesn't want to go through that process. They want to go, in, in most women's cases, they would like to go from where they are now right to the grief without, and, and skip the fact that they're angry and skip the fact that they've got addictions and definitely for most women skip the fact that they have no fear. That they, like they, have, they think they, they want to have no fear. Yeah. They want to, they, they, but they have lots of fear, lots of terror to feel and most women don't want to feel that. Mm -hmm. In the case of men, oftentimes they will allow themselves to experience some anger because it, it's a bit more socially acceptable for a man to express anger. And, and so usually men are in less denial of their anger, but, but, but fear is a very weak place for most men to go to. They don't feel that they, they can go there. And for most men, sadness is the worst possible place for them to go. So, of course, they don't really want to go there. Yeah. So most men cycle between the stages of anger and 
addiction mm -hmm. and most women cycle between the stages of suppression of anger and addiction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unfortunately that means that the majority of people do not know emotionally or intellectually what's really a causal emotion that they need to express in order to release themselves from their current condition yeah. and the only way you're going to know is by going down through that process and most of us want to skip that process and so most of us guess using our intellect and our guesses are often very very wrong so we often receive emails as you know that where people say oh I feel it's about a low sense of worth and we're going no it's not about a low sense of worth at all in fact you believe that you, you arrogantly think that you're better than other people you know so you know there's there's so many things that people say to us from an intellectual concept of what they think it is and you can feel from them that it's totally different to what they're saying even sometimes if that might be the causal emotion that resides within them there is still the issue that in avoidance of that in their addiction they behave very arrogantly yes and and if they try to skip to feeling the low sense of worth that may or may not be there without first dealing with their arrogance. unloving and yeah. addictive behavior with ar in arrogance yeah. then it's not going to work is it no no they've got to they've got to see things you know like and you've got to go through the seeing of things in order for it to be a sincere process you can't expect to just jump to an emotion that you would like it to be and what we find is most people would like their emotions to be a certain way and their true emotions are very very different to what they would like their emotions to be if you are truly honest with this process you are most of the time going to be quite surprised when it get when you get to the actual emotion the actual cause of emotion as to what it really was or what it really is and the reason why that is the case is because your soul up until that time is in suppression or denial mm -hmm. or resistance to processing that particular emotion and so everything coming into your mind unless it's a thought dropped to you from your spirit friends or somebody else someone outside of you everything coming into your mind that's from your own thoughts and from your own feelings is going to be tainted with your resistance and suppression yeah. so it's going to be an excuse to suppress you from other things and this is why most people who say that they know what their causal emotion is but they're not feeling it they don't even know what their causal emotion is most of the time uh -huh. and this is the reason why they're not feeling it because they don't know what it is uh, if they knew what it is and they were allowing the experience of it they'd probably get there now the second part of the question is if you do actually know uh -huh. <laughs> what your causal emotion is which is possible yeah. to intellectually sort of have a good idea of what it might be and you're not experiencing the emotion then obviously we need to look at the first three things anger addiction and fear it's got to be one of those three things blocking the flow of that emotion mm -hmm. and this is where most people really struggle they don't want to acknowledge they're angry they don't want to acknowledge they're afraid and most of the time they like their addictions because their addictions give them everything they want and they want to keep them yeah. and so for that reason the majority of people even if they do come to know intellectually what their causal emotion is probably won't process it unless they go through the processing of the resistive emotions and the suppressive emotions which are all related to anger fear, uh, addictions and fear mm -hmm. and, and this is where we need to allow ourselves to go and, and because anger addictions and fear are generally unpleasant to acknowledge within us a lot of them feel quite sleazy in terms of emotionally uh, so, so they feel quite shameful to experience 
and we often don't want to go there either and this is why we become blocked. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So my suggestion to a person in this kind of situation is to first stop trying to use their intellect to find what the emotion is and instead use their intellect to find what the block is. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, you know, what's going on, what anger is in them, what addictions are in them and what fears they have and start to acknowledge those particular emotions because unless they acknowledge those emotions and go through the process of feeling those emotions and, and are ready to, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. through the exercise of their will, desire to feel those emotions, they will never get to know what their causal emotions are. So if you're saying if we're not feeling our causal emotions, we could be guessing wrong. <laughs> well, but... most likely we're guessing wrong, I'm yep. saying. Yeah. And if on the off chance that we're not, we're still not going through our fear, our anger, our addictions and our fear. Because once we do that, our causal emotion will flow from us naturally. Easily, like a child. Yeah. It, once you go through and release the blockages from you, the causal emotion just flows out of you, you know, without any, without any even need to access it intellectually. Yeah. It, and a situation comes up and because you're humble to your emotion now and you're humble to what the experience is and you don't worry so much about what everybody thinks of you, you just go straight into your emotion. You, you, don't, you don't have to think about it, you don't have to worry about it and you don't have to work it all out or any of those kind of things. And if you have to do all of those things, you are in a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, you are doing those things to avoid the feeling of your fears mm -hmm. and you are doing those things to avoid the work needed to be done in fear, um, addiction and anger, yeah. which are the main reasons why you block any emotion that's causal. Great. All right. Can our darker emotions cause us to take actions that are not pure? Uh, always. <laughs> yes, always. Your darker emotions will cause you to take actions that are not pure all the time. Because it's, so it's not a can, it's yes, it will always happen. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because the soul is dominant. This is the principle of dominance. So when we talk at how the human soul functions, whatever is in the soul emotionally will dominate our everyday existence. So if we have darker emotions in our soul and, you know, emotions where we'd like to harm people, or emotions of rage and anger, which that all comes from, or emotions of rebellion, which cause us to get into trouble a lot, or emotions driven by fears that, yeah. that we're trying to uh, allay by using addictions, all of those types of emotions will definitely dominate. Mm -hmm. So therefore, every single day, they will dominate you. So you can think you're suppressing them, but your actions and your words and your behaviour will be d driven by them and it will only be a supreme exercise of will that prevents you from acting them out. Yeah. And you won't be able to do it all the time. When you're put under strain or under pressure, you'll revert back to the dominance of the soul. So the soul and its emotions will dominate every single moment of your existence. So if your soul is full of dark emotions, they are going to dominate every day of your existence unless you exercise a supreme, some supreme control of your will. And even then, given certain circumstances, you'll revert back to your old behaviour. Uh -huh. So you need to give up the concept that you can somehow bury your dark emotions and they have no effect on your life because it's not true. They have an effect on your every single day-to-day -day life, every single moment of the day. And isn't it true that the more we suppress 
our emotions, the more they dominate, mm -hmm. our darker emotions, the more they dominate what we do. Correct. This is why, you know, a lot of religious faiths have this feeling of guilt. You know, they, they teach you that you should do, you know, these commandments and every single person at some point can't do these commandments because of the dominance of their soul. Yep. And so they, you know, go ahead and they break one of the commandments. And then, of course, there's huge amounts of guilt associated with the breaking of one of the commandments. And so then, you, you know, you punish yourself for the breaking of a commandment. But that doesn't change anything either. So, so because your soul's dominant, you can punish yourself as much as you want, but you'll still go ahead and do it next time. And this is why, like a lot of religious faiths, for example, have this issue with masturbation, like particularly Christian religious faiths. And they're saying, you know, the man, or, and usually it's referred to as a male that's got a problem with it, you know, needs to get it under control, this habitual masturbation is bad for him and all these kind of things, right? They don't have any real reason why this is the case, of course, um, but they do feel that it's somehow immoral. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they, they feel you, you've got to get control of yourself, you know, you've got to control the fact that you want to do this. And the problem with that kind of reasoning is that it causes a person to believe that eventually they can control their soul with their mind yeah. and they can't yeah. and sooner or later they will relapse to their old behavior and, and then of course because they're being told that it's all about control they then feel guilty that they can't control mm. they would be far better off trying to find the causal emotional reason why they relapse into such behaviors so habitual masturbation for example is driven by a large amount of sa sadness about intimacy and, and sadness in the relationship with the opposite sex. So, so what the person would need to do is feel some of that sadness. Mm -hmm. When they feel some of that sadness, the feeling will dissipate and then they'll feel less drawn to habitual masturbation and masturbation would just be a, a, more of a, a sexual uh, enjoyment rather than something that's habitual, driven by a need or an addiction of some kind. Yeah. A and... And so in this, and I'm not saying in this discussion, obviously, that masturbation is wrong because the reality is if you're not allowed to touch yourself, then I would suggest nobody is. <laughs> and nobody so else is able to nobody, touch you either. No, that's right. Why should somebody else be able to touch you when you can't? But um, the reality, though, is that there are many people who are addicted to it in order to avoid some of these emotions, and they would be far better off finding the emotion than they would trying to control the habit using their intellect. Yeah. You know, once you deal with the emotion and release it, you're not driven by the emotion anymore. And so now you have full control of your choices and decisions. So if we use that example, um, you're speaking of a sad, so a sadness about intimacy, for example, mm -hmm. can drive the habit of masturbation, habitual masturbation, if you like. Yes, well, can I make it even more plain? In the even if the man is in a relationship, the majority of women do not give their hearts or, or give themselves sexually in a relationship. As a result, the man feels quite sad about this. So he's, he's sad that he's not feeling the flow of sexual feelings from the woman to himself. As a result, he's going to be driven to masturbation if he does not feel the sadness that he feels about that. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, when he doesn't feel the sadness of that, he will feel like he has to masturbate in order to feel at least some kind of pleasure and somebody sort of a feeling that something or somebody wants him type of feeling, even if it's him, he himself. Yeah. And, and this is what drives his ha habit. Mm -hmm. Now, in a relationship, if this man's in a relationship, there's quite a few things he needs to address. Firstly, he needs to address the woman's reluctance to share her heart or her sexual 
uh, feelings with him. He also needs to address the fact that he, he needs that to survive. So he needs to feel about why he needs that to survive, what sadness within him causes him to need that to survive. And they are the causal emotions he actually needs to access. And so he might be afraid of addressing those things with the woman. He might be afraid of the woman and upsetting her and she goes completely and then he has no sex at all. He might be afraid of a number of different things that cause him to, to feel that masturbation is the way out of the situation and rather than discussion with his, his girl, you know, the, in the case of what we're suggesting here with, with his partner. And he needs to work his way through those emotional issues. Now, it's the denial of those emotional issues that create the habit, mm -hmm. the addiction. And we need to understand that. It's the denial of it. And it's not, it's not because somebody has lost control. They have no control because they are driven by their addiction. Yeah. Right? And, that, and all, uh, pretty much all of our addictions are emotional. And then we have a few physical ones. Yeah. So, you know, most people think it's the other way around, but it's not. It's that you have a few physical addictions all driven by these large numbers of emotional addictions mm -hmm. that once, once you work your way through, you no longer have the physical addiction either. They automatically dissipate. So clarifying what you're saying is that um, the question was, can our darker emotions cause us to take actions that are not pure? Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's the suppression of our darker emotions that actually drive us to take actions that are not pure and yes. when we allow our darker emotions we no longer feel driven to, to avoid them? I suppose it's a, it depends on how you allow them. Like, sure. If you allow them from the point of view of experiencing them within yourself without taking them out on anyone else, mm -hmm. then yes, they haven't caused you to cause any problems for anybody else and there will be a release inside of you. But the majority of people don't do that. The majority, what the majority of people do is they suppress them or they allow them to actually have full reign over the, however they, how they treat other people. Now, of course, that's going to even further darken the soul and that is suppression and resistance to those dark emotions. Mm. So when I say dark emotions will always cause you to do dark things, that is always true, right, because of the dominance of the soul. You will always do dark things if you have dark emotions in them, inside of you. If you suppress them, you'll even do worse things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. Um, now, you, you have a choice. Do you suppress and resist or do you feel them? Mm -hmm. Now, the majority of people choose to not feel them because they feel painful to feel. And what they choose to do is try to suppress them and resist them. In trying to suppress them and resist them, generally you will do even darker things. Mm. And this is how people who believe in love murder other people. Yeah. This is how, you know, women who believe in love, you know, kill an unborn child. Yeah. This is how, you know, it's all done through the darker emotions that exist within the soul, ge generating within the person thoughts that justify their behaviour. Yeah. So the darker emotions will always finish up doing that. They'll always generate thoughts that finish up justifying more unloving behaviour. Mm. And you can't avoid that because the soul is dominant. Yeah. What you can do is you can work on that happening. Why does it happen? You can get to the soul-based emotional reason why it's happening and release it, and then you can change. Yeah. But, but you, a force of will is not going to change you. You have to use extreme will, and even then, put yourself in a difficult situation. You will do what the dark emotions dictate. So, for example, for a woman who normally believes that she loves children, she becomes pregnant 
from a one night stand with a man that she hates, right, and that somehow she got into a, mm -hmm. a sexual uh, interaction with, and, and now she's pregnant. What does she do? Well, most of the time that woman wouldn't hesitate to take a morning after pill if it was available to her, or further than that, if she does become pregnant, abort the child. Mm. Now, in that way, the woman has become a murderess. Mm. But she's willing to justify the murderess by saying, oh, but I don't want the child, and the child, it's not good to bring the child in the world. It would be, the child would be happier in the spirit, you know, in the afterlife, it would be happier without me. You know, or, or they believe that the child hasn't even incarnated yet. You know, it's not a child yet until it's born. There's all sorts of justifications we make, all of which internally, most of the time, we know are false. Yeah. But we take them because the dark emotion generates those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So we, we, the dark emotion will always, always dominate in the end. And given the situation, it will always exert its power. And this is what we need to do, is we need to start looking at those dark emotions and let them go emotionally. We need to process them, experience them, feel them so that they release from us. Now there is no opportunity for them to control because they're no longer in us. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Because almost everyone on the planet is trying to hide their darker emotions a lot of times for fear of what they might do mm -hmm. if, they, uh, if they acknowledge those emotions. Mm -hmm. And yet from what you're saying, the more they're suppressed, the more dominant or the yeah. more driven everyone is to keep them suppressed and so they do justify more and more acts. Yes, that and eventually they do impure. take actions. Or they have to do the other thing, which is completely suppress every feeling in their soul, which mm. is very damaging to yourself. So eventually they do one of those two things. If the dark emotion exists in the soul and you never release it, you carry it around like a burden, right? Sooner or later in a situation that will come up and dominate, or if you're very, very, very good at suppression, which most people on the earth are fairly good at because we've had lots of training. <laughs> we had training from the moment we were, we were conceived right the way through our entire childhood, right the way into our adulthood. We've had training about how to suppress and society is great at enforcing suppression. Because of that, we go, right, I'm going to suppress this. I'm going to suppress Like, I feel like cheating on my husband, but I'm going to suppress it. And then we come up with all these concepts and ideas. Uh, it doesn't matter where you get your, your sexual desires from as long as you go home and you have sex with your husband, you know. Yeah. So it's okay if you watch a bit of porn, it's okay if you watch that guy walk down the street and all that kind of, as long as you go home and have sex with your husband, that's all fine, you know. And, and there's all these justifications, but see, this is the darkness of the soul dominating and we then use our intellect to try, the, the soul uses its intellect to try and justify the soul's condition. Yeah. And this is always going to happen. Mm. And then what you do is you suppress that or attempt to. So you try, try hard, you know, you, you pray to God, you know, saying, help me overcome this evil desire and all these kind of things. And God's saying, well, the only way you're going to overcome this evil desire is to feel the evil desire and its cause. Yes. What, why do you feel like doing that? And you'll trace that back to some childhood events and so forth. And once those things are released, you'll never feel like that again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's fantastic knowing that because you can be confident about that anything that might be judged by yourself as evil inside of yourself can always be changed as long as you find the causal emotion yeah. that causes it. And, that's, uh, and this is the only action we can take with our so-called dark emotions. Yeah. Great.
Thank you. Why do we wish to ignore our darker emotions? <laughs> because we believe that ignoring them will make them go away, <laughs> which is, uh, as you can see from our previous FAQ, that's not the case. Our dark emotions never go away if we ignore them. But there is this common viewpoint amongst humankind that if you ignore something, it will go away. And sometimes it does work with regard to people, you know. <laughs> if you ignore them long enough, sometimes they do go away. But when it comes to our emotions, it never occurs that way. If we ignore them, they will continue to grow generally. And they will continue to manipulate and control our behaviour. And so, you know, I feel the re reality is ignoring dark emotions is, is a very dangerous thing to do. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it is the ignorance of dark emotions which causes us then to, to actually take dark actions. So if you, were, if you are not ignorant of your dark emotions, in other words, if you can see them and you know what they are, then every time you feel one of them, you will go, oh, I've got to be careful now. Yeah. I've got to be careful what I'm going to do here now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, you, you have a tendency to be able to police yourself to a degree. But if you ignore your dark emotions, you, you won't even sometimes, and most times, be aware of them and your thoughts will be more along the line of, go, of justifying their existence. Yeah. So you'll say to yourself things like, oh, I feel like killing that person and no wonder, look at the person. You, know? <laughs> you, 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 you won't even see that that's a dark emotion within yourself caused by something within yourself. You'll think it's caused by somebody outside of you. You'll think it's somebody else's fault that you feel this way. Yeah. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Because when you start blaming other people or thinking it's someone else's fault that you feel certain things, you are not taking personal responsibility for your own emotions. And once that happens, you're in a very, you know, it's very short distance between that and actually taking action on your dark mm. emotions. And it's very, very dangerous uh, on a lot of levels, for your soul in particular. Mm. And, but also for the soul of others. Every, every single person that you damage with your, you know, acting out your dark emotions is another person that feels pain uh, as a result of your actions and, and they then have to go through their own experience of having to release their emotions about what you did yeah. and that, that just puts terrible burdens on other people mm. so, so not only you're harming yourself but you're also harming all of the people that you've now interacted with using these dark emotions in your interactions mm. yeah. so you said at the beginning we want to ignore the dark emotions because we're hoping they'll go away mm. And is that just because they feel unpleasant to feel or is it because we have other issues of shame and judgment? Oh, yeah, of course. Why? You know, we want them why? to go away for, for like a hundred reasons. <laughs> you know, some of them are that we feel that we're not a very good person if we have them. So we feel terrible feelings of guilt and shame about having, have, about having these dark feelings and emotions inside of us. Or it could be just we're afraid we, that we're not that afraid of having the dark emotion inside of us. We're just concerned that other people might see it, you know, yeah. that other people might think that it's terrible. And we have all sorts of judgments and we also take on society's judgments of some emotions. And so we, we also, you know, if they think this is bad, then we think it's bad. If mm -hmm. they think it's good, we think it's good. Mm -hmm. And... And some of the things society thinks is good is actually dark emotions, <laughs> unfortunately. And yeah. so we'll be often distorted in, yeah. our, in our reasoning when it comes to what is da a dark emotion from God's perspective 
and what is an, uh, 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 and what I'd classify as an evil emotion, if you like, from God's perspective, than what is a good or, or loving emotion from God's perspective. We often have huge distortions about that, so we have a lot of judgment about what is good and bad. So, so for example, a person who has homosexual feelings, who has been brought up in a Christian household, believes that their homosexual feelings are evil mm. or, or bad or dark. Mm -hmm. But the reality is God created these kind of feelings mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the reality is from God's perspective is they're okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. But because the environment of the child is that they believed it was dark, now the child believes it's dark. So we have a lot of distortions about what is good, what is evil. Anything obviously from God's perspective that is unloving is usually driven by an evil or a dark emotion. And I'll use the term evil purposefully because all evil that has ever been created, which is the damage of other people through the exercise of your will, has all been created because of some dark emotion that's been suppressed inside the individual and hasn't been allowed to be feel, felt. Mm -hmm. So we're better off feeling them than we are acting upon them. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very different state to feel them and act upon them. So this, this habit that everyone is in, or this deep desire that everyone has to ignore these darker emotions that are inside of us, seem to be a huge stumbling block to society as a, as yes. a whole, and a, kind of a global or societal issue that, that as children we're not taught to feel our dark emotions rather than... Yes, we're taught to them. suppress them, we're taught to yeah. deny them, we're taught to judge them, we're taught to you know, try to make them go away. The, 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 there are some parents, of course, who do the opposite, mm. who actually teach their children to act upon dark emotions because yeah. they themselves do that. Yeah. It just depends on our upbringing as to what we're taught. But the average person on the planet has some semblance of conscience mm. and so therefore some semblance of, uh, of internal gauge as to what is good and what is not. Uh, often it's heavily distorted, of course, yeah. but, but as a result, anything that the average person sees as not good, generally there's a lot of judgment on the planet about. Mm -hmm. So if the average person on earth is challenged by homosexuality, they believe that homosexuality is bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with what God thinks about the issue. It's got everything to do with what people generally in society feel about the issue. And this is the, this is the unfortunate thing. We judge a lot of what are good and decent emotions from God's perspective as bad and then we judge a lot of what are quite evil emotions as good yeah. and then we judge uh, a lot of stuff that is bad as really, really, really bad and, and all of it we try to suppress <laughs> and so of course we're confused yeah. and of course we don't know what we're doing most of the time with the days, during the day and of course we're going to act through the dominance of our soul that's being suppressed and resist resisted yeah. And so this is why we end up taking a lot of very dark actions. And even as a society, we end up taking dark actions. You know, we're willing to go to war as an entire nation, mm. in order, which is a, an act of the entire nation, really, justified by a dark emotion. Mm. And, and these, all of these justifications come from these dark emotions. And so it is imperative, if we ever want to become at one with God, and if we ever want to become loving, it's imperative to release these dark emotions from us so they no longer govern our life. And the first step in doing that is presumably to stop ignoring that they're there. Correct. You've got to stop denial, yeah. stop suppression, stop 
stop saying to yourself, I don't have any. Because <laughs> if you didn't have any and everybody in the world didn't have any, then there wouldn't be any problems in the world. Yeah. We'd all be in loving interactions with each other and everyone would be happy. <laughs> so yeah. the reality is we have them. And even in a standard relationship or a standard family, there's plenty of dark emotions. You know, you can just see them. So start dealing with them. Mm. Start acknowledging they're there. You know, I once said to somebody, all of our darker emotions are like, and I use the term shit, in the middle of a room. And like a pile of it in the middle of the room. You know, yeah. a, pile of, a pile of poo in the middle of the room. It's all smelly. Everybody knows it's there. And everyone walks around saying it's not there. Yeah. And that, that nothing smells. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's how we treat our dark emotions most of the time. We're going around saying, it's not there, it's not there, nothing smells, nothing smells, when it stinks to high heaven. <laughs> and it's created like lots of problems in our lives, and it creates lots of problems still in our lives, and yet we're still going around saying, no, no, it's not there, it's not there, it doesn't stink, doesn't stink, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. And it's amazing how, uh, I, sometimes I feel it's just so amazing how um, like firm we are about our denial mm -hmm. like like things have to get pretty bad sometimes before we go oh maybe that's <laughs> that's the reason why you know that yeah. dark emotion might be the reason why i felt that way or you know and you you often see violence in a household whether it's towards children or 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 between partners you often see you know that's all driven by dark emotion you often see people lying and stealing and cheating and and all sorts of, that's all driven by dark emotion they're all emotions we can get rid of. They're all emotions that are not a part of our soul, that we can, get, we can let them go, but they're in our soul. And while they're in our soul, they will dictate through dominates. They will dictate the rest of our life until we release them. Mm. Okay, mm. the next person's written... Um, written us a little paragraph with a number of questions in it so okay. <laughs> i'll read it all as to we you. often have yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um we can go back to different parts of it if you if you'd sure, like sure okay so they say i understand that god's love is supposed to be able to enter us as we progress but i suspect i'm a long way off from this mm -hmm. does it really take a long time for uh, for some of us and do we just need to be patient? Are there some signs that can show us that we're just not getting it? I feel like I'm just not getting some really basic stuff. I'm really struggling with allowing myself to feel these emotions in the first place and scared that they will never end. Where do I start? Hmm. Yes, well, there's quite a lot of things in this question, isn't there? So mm. let's have a look at some of them. If you read the first couple of sentences first again, we'll just go through some of what's affecting this person. Again, I feel it's a lady, so yeah. um, talk about how, what's affecting her. So. Okay. I understand that God's love is supposed to be able to enter us as we progress, but I suspect I'm a long way off from this. Let's just look at... It's interesting terminology sometimes, how the terminology people use and how it actually influences their emotions without them really understanding the yeah. influence. Yeah. So this lady's basically saying that she understands something that she doesn't understand yet. And the, what she says she understands is that God's love is supposed to enter us uh -huh. as we progress. Yeah. No, God's love isn't supposed to enter you as you progress. The reality is you can progress without any of God's love entering you. Yeah. So God's love isn't supposed to enter you as you progress. Uh -huh. 
Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And God's love it will enter you when you have a pure, sincere longing for that love to enter you. Yeah. Of course, then you'll progress. <laughs> but of course, the problem is developing a pure, sincere longing for God's love to enter you. The other thing is she's saying that it's supposed to. She doesn't believe it does. Mm. She just has been told that it's supposed to, or she thinks she's been told that it's supposed to, which I've never done, because mm. I've never said that it's supposed to enter you as you progress. Because I've only ever said that it enters you when you have a sincere, pure longing for it to enter you. Yep. So the whole concept that it's supposed to comes from this feeling that she have that that she doesn't really believe in God's love in the first place. Right. So there's one major block to receiving God's love. Yeah. If your person doesn't have faith that God's love exists within them, mm -hmm. that, you know, sorry, within God to give to them, yeah. and doesn't have faith that they can long for God's love to enter them, then what happens is that they will probably not long for God's love. Mm. Whether they progress or not, they will not long for God's love. So the entering of God's love is dependent upon a sincere longing for that love to enter. Mm. And if you don't have that longing, God's love will not enter no matter how much you emotionally progress. By the way, your emotional progress will be slower as well because you'll have to change absolutely everything within your soul causally one by one. Whereas God's love as it comes can help you start to address causal emotions by softening you to them. Mm. So, so God's love can help you immensely in feeling causal emotion. But if you don't have any faith that God's love can enter you, then of course God's love in, cannot enter you. Yeah. It's quite that simple. So that's one aspect of her question. Mm. So let's look at the next sentence. Okay. Does it just take a really long time for some of us and we just need to be patient. So here's another problem. Yeah. This concept, and I think we've ra raised this concept a number of times in other FAQs, this concept that you just need to be patient and sooner or later something magical will happen yeah. and you'll make some kind of transition and then everything will work smoothly and wonderfully <laughs> is actually untrue. The only way in which anything change, changes inside of the soul is by the soul's will being exercised for the change to occur. So there is not some magical process or some patience that you need to have about the soul changing. You need to find what's going on inside of your soul that's resisting the change mm -hmm. and have a desire to do such a thing. You need to have a desire to allow such changes to occur. And unless the soul's will is exercised in that direction, you will not change. Mm. And it doesn't matter how patient you are, you won't change for a long time, <laughs> if at all, yeah. right? So this is something we need to, to also mention. But we must say that you need to have patience with yourself, which is different than having patience about the, the process of change. Okay. When I say patience with yourself, there are sometimes you just don't get things. And there's sometimes when it just, you need more diligent effort to get it. It's sort of like a person if they go to a university course and they start studying, let's say, high-level mathematics, the average person would struggle, yeah. right? And, and they would need to have patience with themselves while still maintaining a desire to learn. 
and and using their will, presumably, to engage with learning. Correct. Yep. Now, that's different than having a patience of just sitting there and going, I'm not going to do anything, and I'm just going to wait for some magical thing that maybe God or someone else will bring to me so that I can finish up progressing. That's completely different. So one, one state is, I take full responsibility for my lack of progression. Mm -hmm. That is a person who takes responsibility for the use of their will. But I also need to be patient with myself in that state, yep. which is very different than having patience waiting for some other thing to occur outside of myself before I change. Uh -huh. Of course, anything that occurs outside of yourself can help you change, yep. but if you're resistive to change, it's not going to help you. Yep. You have to develop the qualities of humility, the quality of desire for change, a sincere and pure longing has to be developed that comes from within your soul to change. Just like a sincere, pure longing has to come from within your soul to connect to God's love. And that's not going to magically occur. It is something you're going to have to develop with the exercise of your will. Yeah. Okay. Will we keep going? Yes. Are there some signs that can show us that we are just not getting it? Yes, plenty of signs. In fact... Um, you know, what this lady has said in this particular comment is, is a sign <laughs> that she's not getting the underlying principles of how the soul works. You see, and, and instead of being condemnatory about that, what we need to go is, okay, I'm obviously not getting something. I'm obviously not understanding at some level what's really going on with my soul. I, I, need, to, I need to understand that. If no change is occurring and I am stagnant, that is the best sign. Yeah. It's a great sign that, that I don't get something, that, that, I don't, that it's me that doesn't get something. And what most people do there is they blame their teacher or they blame God or they blame you know, anything other than themselves. But if we're really responsible, mm -hmm. we would say, well, actually, it's all dependent upon the use of my will. You see, from God's perspective, God wants you to make these changes. God loves you already. God wants to give you her love already. God is waiting for you to get into a condition where there's a sincere, pure desire inside of you to receive it. So from God's perspective, there's nothing to do with God as to why there's no change occurring. Yeah. God has everything in place. God's got laws in place to cause you to try to, to change. God is constantly trying to change you to bring you to the place where God created you to be, your, your, the pure expression of your pure personality and nature. Mm -hmm. So God, God's already got everything in place. If no change is occurring, it's because we're resistive to everything God's got in place. And we must acknowledge that. Right? We must acknowledge that to ourselves, firstly, that there must be resistance within us. And then we need to develop a desire through the use of our will, a desire to find what it is that's causing us to be resistive, mm -hmm. to find the suppression that's in our soul, to find the resistance in our soul, and start to process our way through it. Only we can do that. No one else can do that for us. God can't do that for us, and no one else can do it for us either. Many will might attempt to try if they are unloving, but they can't do it for us either. Yeah. The only people, person who can process their way through my emotions is me. Yeah. No one else can do it for me. And this is something that's beautiful because 
it shows you that God made us to be self-responsible individuals who come to see the power of exercising their own will. Mm. So I think it's a beautiful fact that this occurs. So any person who sort of says, oh, there'd be some kind of mysterious event that might occur or someone will come along and save me from myself and all of those kind of things, none of those things can happen. We can be saved from ourselves only by listening to other people who know how to progress and then engaging through faith those methods of progression. The majority of people don't do that, of course. They mm. don't engage it through faith or any other way. And so, unfortunately, they don't progress. Yeah. And yeah. The, there's a last statement she makes? There is. <laughs> you uh, wanted to raise another issue in what we just said? Oh, uh, no, just um, uh, when she asked, are there some signs that can show us that we're just not getting it? From what you said, if there's no change in our life without extreme force of will, then that's, that's a sign that we're not getting it. Yes, yeah, and honestly there are many other signs. Yeah. Obviously the law of attraction in our life will not be changing. We'll be attracting the same events time after time with different people. You know, our life is not going to be happy, so we'll be experiencing, we'll be experiencing low amount of happiness in our lives. We'll often feel under attack. We'll often feel like, you know, things are not working well in our lives and we're not enjoying it. There's, there's so many signs. You could list hundreds and hundreds of them in the yeah. end, yeah. But, but it all results, it comes down or boils down to this one fact that our life isn't changing, changing. for the better. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> and if our life's not changing for the better, that's an indication that we're stagnant and we, need, we are not exercising our will to adjust that particular state of affairs. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, let's read the, the yeah, end. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm no, just not getting some really basic stuff. Yes. I'm really struggling with allowing myself to feel these emotions in the first place and scared that they will never end. Yes. Where do I start? Well, what she has stated here is very interesting because if she listens to her own statements, she will see that fear is the dominant emotion. Mm-hmm. So fear is suppressing her desire to change. It's suppressing her desire to feel emotions. She is afraid that if she starts feeling emotions, it will never end, which is not a truth, but it is a fear that a lot of people have. Yeah. And so what she needs to do is start looking at all the addictions she has to prevent herself from feeling these fears. The fact that these fears are in play is an indication that she must have addictions yeah. to look after each one of these fears. Yeah. So, so what she needs to do is to start looking at the addictions that she has. And you, she can do that by every time she gets angry, noticing why she got angry. Mm. And there's an addiction, uh, something that wasn't met. Also, every time she feels good, she needs to look at that because there's probably something that happened that fed one of her addictions. Yeah. And, and if she allows herself to see every time she feels bad and every time she feels good, she will start acknowledging her addictions to herself. And once she starts acknowledging her addictions to herself, she has a chance to start to have a look at her fears that drive the addictions. Yeah. But already she has listed three in the question. She has. So, so that's where she could start. She yeah. could start with those three. Yeah. So yeah. what were they again, she said? Um, well, the last two is that she's... If you read the whole the, the statement from the beginning... 
I understand that God's love is supposed to be able to enter us as we progress. Yes. But I suspect I'm a long way off from this. So one fear is that she, she doesn't have any fear, feeling whatsoever that God's love can really enter her as she progresses. Yeah. Yeah. And she also has a feeling that it's supposed to without her effort. Uh -huh. So that's a problem. Yes. <laughs> There's an addiction. Yeah. She she wants to be able to she wants to be able to progress without any personal effort. Mm. So that's an addiction. That's that's almost like saying, well, God's got to do all the work and then I'll progress. And that's not how it's going to work at all. Yeah. We need to do the work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then she says, does it just take a really long time for some of us, and we need to be patient? Are uh, there some signs that can show us that we're just not getting it? I feel like I'm just not getting some really basic stuff. I'm struggling with it. So there's one fear. Yep, that I'm not getting it. So fear that she's not getting some really basic stuff. Yep. yep. Struggling to allow herself to feel these emotions in the first place. So there's obviously fears that cause her to stop feeling emotions. Mm -hmm. And scared that they will never end. And that's, that's one of her one. primary fears. Yes. And again. So already she's identifying through her question, her fears, without even knowing that she's identified what her fears are that are preventing her progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are, so what's preventing her progress is evident from her question, and we find this quite a lot, Definitely. where a person asks the question, but in the question contains their own answer to their own question. Yeah. So in her case with her emotions, inside of her question she's showing that she has a thought that God should do it for her, mm -hmm. supposed to do it for her, and not much faith that that's the case. Yeah. She also is showing that she is quite afraid about processing through or feeling emotion. Mm -hmm. For one reason is that she feels that it's never going to end. Yeah. And she's also quite afraid about not understanding, yeah. about feeling like she's confused. And, and there's probably fears associated with that, associated feeling like a bit stupid and a bit dumb and not really, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Which are all fears. Mm -hmm. So already there's quite a long list of fears that she can identify from her own question. Yeah. And if she allowed herself to identify them and then look at the addiction she has to cover over these fears, what she does every day to make sure that she doesn't feel those things, yeah. then she'll go a long way to realising why she does not progress. Mm. Yeah. And you've actually given quite a lot of good advice about progression in, in this answer. So to recap, you've said that the, the lack of faith is an issue and that we need to work on faith. A huge issue. Yep. It's a huge, most people on earth have very little faith in God. Mm. We don't trust that God's built our soul just right. We don't <laughs> trust that God's built a, p a perfect person and we've only got errors in us from our environment. We, don't, we think somehow there's some intrinsic flaw that we were created with when that's not the case. We don't trust that. We don't have faith in that. Yeah. There's so many things about God we don't have faith in. We don't think or have faith that God is a good being that loves. We, we only believe God's someone like our mummy or daddy, you know, who loves us sometimes, but only when we do what, what mummy or daddy says. Yeah. Or in the case of God, only when we do what God says. Yeah. That's yeah. the only time we feel God's going to love us. Yeah. So there's a lot of false beliefs that we have in there yeah. that we need to address and see. Otherwise, we won't develop a longing for God. So faith's one area to look at. A huge area. The next thing you talked about was personal responsibility. Yes. And the So in other words, this whole concept that if I wait long enough, something will happen. No, if you wait long enough, you'll get old, decrepit and sick. And, and also, if you think about your day-to-day -day life, 
does anything ever happen when you just sit in one place? <laughs> no, generally not. <laughs> you know, Nothing really. Even good. to turn on the telly, you've got to lift up, go lift up your hand, go reach to the remote control, and at least switch a button. You've got yeah. to do something. Yeah. You yeah. know, just sitting and waiting for something to occur means that nothing is going to occur. Mm. Like. Yeah, and so that's what you talked about, the difference between like a passive kind of patience where we're just waiting for something magical to happen to us that creates our progress yeah. versus a patience with self as we actively engage a process. Correct. Yeah. So you can actively engage a process and not get it straight away. It's a bit like if you pick up a musical instrument right at the beginning and you try to play it, the very first things that come out of the musical instrument are generally not pleasant to listen to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you don't have patience with yourself that you've just begun the process of learning, then you'll probably put down the musical instrument and never pick it up again. And it's very much the same with Divine Truth. We pick it up, we look at it, we're initially enthused by the intellectual concept of it, mm -hmm. but, but unfortunately what happens is we generally start to, start to try to play with it, you know, start to experience it or experiment with it, and then we get very confused very rapidly because we haven't connected to our soul yet, and there's a lot of things we don't understand about our soul. And at that point, most people go, oh, no, I think I'll put it down again, yeah. uh, rather than work, being patient with themselves and saying, no, I'm a learner, mm -hmm. I'm going through a learning experience here as long as I exercise my will to continue I will get to the end of it yeah. eventually and will is not the same as force yeah because that's the other way that we can approach progression isn't it to be very forceful to with force ourselves, ourselves yeah. and self-punishing and hard upon ourselves yes and I know one man who said to me for the last six years he said to me I'm going to get it I am eventually going to get it and I said to the to the man I said look you know, you know you're not getting it at the moment, right? <laughs> and you're really quite angry about not getting it. All you need to do is feel how angry you are about not getting it. Yeah. And he hasn't done that yet. Yeah. Right? So, of course, he can't get it while he doesn't go through that emotion. Yeah. So, so this is what the problem is for many people. They are, you know, they, feel, they force themselves to, to try to get it, but they're not getting it, and they have an emotion that they have to feel, but they don't feel it. Yeah. And that's the opening. Once they start to feel the emotion and then they start getting things, then they realise, ah, oh, it was the emotion that caused me to not get it. It's ah. Such a simple process, <laughs> isn't it? We just need to keep feeling the next thing that comes up. And yet often we're so used to trying to control and be in charge exactly. and get to a goal and a destination. Yeah. A child just feels the next thing that comes up. Yeah. They're not planning ahead for the future very much or looking at the past very much. They're just feeling the next emotion that comes up, whatever that emotion is. Now, a lot of children become damaged because of the childhood suppression, but if a child is left in a, in a pure state in that regard, it can process through every emotion very, very rapidly. Yeah. Within, within hours, yeah. it's all done. Yeah. And this is, where, this is where we as adults have the capacity to do that. But unfortunately, because of suppression and resistance and our belief systems and our intellect, we believe you know, in hardly any principles about how the soul functions. You know, we don't have any understanding about how our, our own soul functions. Yeah. And as a result, we don't understand preclusion or absorption or progression or dominance or you know, resistance or suppression or any of these concepts of the soul. We don't understand any of them. We don't understand presence and these kind of concepts. And so as a result, we're, we're there trying to struggle with it all intellectually not understanding any of the principles that govern our soul, believing, in fact, most of the time believing, 
that n none of it's true. Mm -hmm. You know, the amount of times I've talked to people who say, I don't understand why I'm progressing, and I say to them, Look, it's because you don't understand the soul. You don't believe that feeling and emotion is going to help you progress. And they go, yes, I do. And I said, no, you don't, because you don't let yourself feel any emotion. So how would you, yeah. how can you understand when you haven't let yourself feel one? You know? uh, just to clarify there, you meant the person who said, I don't understand why I'm not progressing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Said, well, I'm not progressing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Just yeah. And so, you know, um, I feel a lot of people are in this state where they don't understand what's going on um, because they have no understanding of how the soul works. Yeah. And as a result, they're still, they're still holding on quite strongly to the concept that they can intellectually force change, mm. uh, which is not a soul quality. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so that's some of the other things that you said in answer to this question was that um, obviously we know we're stagnant or we're not getting it when there's no change happening in our lives. Correct. But then there's this issue of having a will and a desire for change. And if we're not changing, we obviously don't have the desire. Mm -hmm. And that's because of fear. And we need to start feeling anger and fear and addiction. Yes. Yeah. So fear is a primary reason why we don't change. And fear is covered over, like, a, like smoothed over, by addiction. Mm -hmm. and, and when we get angry, it's a demonstration of when our addictions are not getting met. Yeah. So instead of... Instead of our addiction not getting met so we feel some fear, what we do is revert, we revert to rage. Mm -hmm. and, and when we get our addictions met, we go, oh, isn't the world lovely and beautiful and isn't everybody lovely and beautiful and oh, I have so many nice friends and everything's wonderful. And we tell ourselves a whole heap of crap about our life yeah. uh, because we want our addictions met because our addictions help us to overcome our fears. Yeah. And it's only when we're brave enough to look at the rage that we have and look at our addictions and then start to examine our fears that true progression will occur. And in fact, the biggest work that most people on this planet will need to do is working through their fears. Mm -hmm. If you're not prepared to work through your fear, you have no way of progressing. Simple as that. There's no way you can progress without working through fear. Mm -hmm. And most people don't want to because they feel it's too painful mm. and they're not prepared to feel pain. But the irony is every time you suppress a fear, uh, physical pain results. Yeah. So now you're creating more pain. Yeah. And this is a sad state of humanity because we don't understand how the soul functions. We even believe that disease is not of our own creation. Mm. And it is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. More questions we're going to ask you about fear specifically sure. as time as we as go progress. through this series. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think we've now up to 150 or 200 yes. questions in this series already and, and the reality is I think we'll be going quite some time yeah. answering people's <laughs> emotional questions, which isn't a bad thing because in the end, you know, we need to learn to become emotional beings who don't judge emotion and who allow emotions to occur and who allows emotions to flow. We need to learn how to do these things. But, yeah. and, and there is, a, unfortunately, a large amount of disinformation on this planet about emotion and that we're going to have to wade our way through and sort out and eventually come to resolution of. And that's one of the main reasons why the majority of people on the planet never progress while they're on Earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's keep going. Thank right. you for that one. This question is another sort of long paragraph from someone. Sure. So I'll read it out sure. and we can go back through it. Okay. I've used shaming methods to try to change the behaviour of my son and other people. Mm. 
-hmm. And I'm beginning to realise how much my own suppressed or denied shame has impacted and still impacts on my actions and beliefs. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I've tried to change my behaviour and actually believe that I'd succeeded. <laughs> no shortage of arrogance and self-deception here. <laughs> I'm beginning to emotionally realise that it's not possible to change through trying to change my actions. Why do we find it so personally difficult to accept the truth and come to terms with our shame? I find this person's last question, like the last state, the last sentence, sentence yeah. quite incongruous with the rest of the question. Yeah. Because I find it, it's quite strange that she's asking that particular part of the question mm -hmm. when the reality is the real question needs to be asked about why she doesn't understand why she believes taking actions is going to ever cause any change and that is the real question not the question that she's actually asked but let's look at the question she asked so let's let's list that question just the last okay. statement why do we find it so personally difficult to accept the truth and come to terms with our shame yes so she's asking about shame and like, yes, I would like to answer a whole series of questions about shame later, mm. I feel. Because there are a lot of uh, problems on the planet because we're unwilling to feel shame. But that is not the reason why we damage others with our shame. Mm. So perhaps and we this, could... And this is what we need to understand. Yeah. Just because we have an emotion in us of a certain type, it does not mean that that is the reason why we damage other people with the resistance or suppression of that emotion. We damage other people because we have chosen to damage them and we prefer it to feeling our own pain. So this question is not really about shame, it's about pain generally. The lady is unwilling to feel her own pain. Mm. As a result, she is willing to take actions that cause pain in others. So this is where in the beginning she's referring to shaming her son and other people. Correct. That's because she's unwilling to feel something inside of herself. Correct. She's unwilling to feel her own pain and so she creates pain in others. And like she said, she thought that she'd worked on the issue and overcome it, but it's pretty obvious to her now that she has not. And this is great. Yeah. This is great that now she realises she has not solved this particular problem and she realises too, in the statement she made, she realises that changing your actions doesn't change anything because in the end even your actions don't change. Yes. So she has continued to shame others and shame her son in order to manipulate and control their behaviour and she uses in, in, an internal justification for doing so. And what she needs to do is find what the internal justification is. And it's not shame. It's not shame that causes her to justify treating others in a shameful manner. Mm -hmm. it's, it's her desire to avoid her own pain and her desire to attack other people that causes her and manipulate, by the way, and control other people that causes her to use shame as a tool of control. So... This is where we have to be very careful. See, what I see a lot of people doing is they say, look, the truth is the other day 
I yelled at my son or daughter. And then they say, that's because I was yelled at when I was a child. Or that's because I was treated badly when I was a child. Or that's because I felt bad, you know, I felt the emotion of, you know, a lack of worth when they spoke to me or whatever it is. No, it wasn't. It wasn't for any of those reasons. It was because you decided to attack another person rather than feeling your own pain. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why you did it. You didn't do it for any other reason. You did it because you made a decision. You didn't want to feel your pain in that situation and you wanted them to feel pain instead. Yeah. You wanted to attack them. That's why you attacked them. <laughs> you wanted to shame them. You wanted to control them. You wanted to manipulate them. That's why you did it. You didn't do it because you have shame. Mm. You did it because you have justification of abusive behavior, which is a completely different emotion yeah. than shame. Yeah. And in fact, if you were truly shamed, you would never be able to justify it. If you truly felt some shame, you would never be able to justify attacking another person just so that you can avoid your own pain. Yeah, so you're saying that if, if we were truly in contact with our shame yes. and, and feeling it, not suppressing it, or at least sensitive to it from a feeling perspective, Correct. so when it's triggered we sense it, yeah. then we would never be able to, to shame another person in avoidance of that shame. No, I'm not saying that. Right. I am saying <laughs> that you could still, yeah. because you may have an internal justification of abusing another person, yeah. which is a completely different emotion. So can you clarify what you meant about if you were really feeling your shame? If I really feel my shame, I can still potentially abuse another person because it's not my shame that causes me to abuse another person. It's my willingness to cause pain in another person that causes me to abuse the other person. Yeah and in avoidance of my own pain, not my own shame. Does that make sense? It does. And this is where I feel a lot of people, they blame an emotion. They say, oh, it's because of shame that I did that to my son. No, it's not. It's not. If you, it's not because of shame that you do that to your son. It's because you're avoiding your own pain that you do that to your son, and you want him to feel as much pain as you have and you want to control him, and you want to manipulate him, and you want to tell him what to do, and you want to, you don't want to smack him because you have different, you know, you have other judgments about that, but you're totally willing to abuse him emotionally, which is abuse. Mm -hmm. You're willing to abuse another person because you want to avoid your own pain. And that's not about shame. That is about your willingness to abuse another person. Your willingness to take an unloving action to the extent that you're willing to harm someone else. Mm -hmm. And that is totally independent of how much shame you have. You could have a mountain of shame in you and never do that. Or you could have a smidge of shame in you and still do that. Yeah. It, it is completely independent of each other, these two emotions. The emotion of desiring to abuse another is completely independent of the emotion inside of yourself. Yeah. It, it's your justification Right? And this is where we've got to be very careful. What I'm saying is, this lady is justifying shame as the reason why she takes abusive behaviour towards her son and others. Mm -hmm. But it's not her shame that causes the abusive behaviour. It is her willingness to avoid her own pain and make herself feel better by abusing another. Yeah. 
that causes her to abuse another. And because shame is a technique that was used on her, she now knows the technique and she uses that as a technique mm -hmm. to harm another. Mm -hmm. But the reason why she's doing it is not because of her own shame, it's because of her own willingness to abuse another. Yeah. And this is where I see a lot of people getting way off board with their emotions. They believe that the emotion is one thing, when actually the emotion is quite a dark, much darker emotion in another direction that causes them to take a certain action. Yeah. And I feel that while we want to discuss shame, we also need to be careful of using shame as an excuse for very terrible decisions and behaviours that we make in avoidance of our own pain. Mm. And most people do this. Most people wish to avoid their own pain by attacking another, manipulating another, controlling another, so that they don't trigger them, as the saying goes, so they don't feel something from what the other person is doing. And that's all about personal avoidance of your own pain. That's all about your own selfishness and narcissism. It's not about your shame. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what we need to come to terms with. We need to come to terms with that just because we have an emotion in us from our childhood, that emotion is not the cause of us abusing other people and harming other people. That emotion is an excuse we often are using to abuse other people, but it is not the cause. The cause is an internal belief that we have the right to harm another people just because, or uh, as a method of avoiding our own pain. That's the cause, mm -hmm. and that's a completely different emotional cause mm -hmm. than the internal shame the woman is experiencing. Mm -hmm. So, for, from what you're saying, that the reason we do harm to others is because we have an emotional justification of doing that harm mm -hmm. and often we justify it in order to avoid our own pain mm -hmm. but regardless of what that pain is the emotion in play is a sense of justification or entitlement or that it's okay to do this harmful thing under this circumstance correct and presumably all of us or people have different circumstances under which they would justify harm. Correct. It might differ between people. Yes. But whenever we do harm, we have that emotion and that's what needs to be dealt with. Yes. Yep. So if you gave the average mother a knife and said, murder your child, the average mother wouldn't do it. But if you get the average mother pregnant and she doesn't want the child, she is willing to do it. Yeah. So in other words, she has an internal justification under some circumstance that murder of a child is acceptable. Mm. Right? Now that is independent of the emotions that, we, that, that she feels when she feels that. Yeah. So in other words, when she feels like the reasons why, she will use a whole heap of tools of justification. And that is, I can't cope with uh, having the child. Well, have the child and give it away. Mm. You know, there's plenty of people who don't have children who want to have a child. Mm -hmm. give, it, give it to them <laughs> if you don't want to have it yourself. Yeah. You know, oh, but I couldn't do that because then I wouldn't be viewed as a bad mother. Well, feel that. <laughs> feel that you're not a good mother yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you need to feel that. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't do it because, you know, the man I got pregnant to, I don't like him very much and he, this child will tie me to him the rest of their life. Okay, we'll take some responsibility of that and feel that. Yes. Feel that emotion of what it's going to be like tied to that man for the rest of your life, a reminder of one of your immoral acts yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. Feel what that feels like. But she, she doesn't want to feel any of those things. And instead, she's willing to justify the murder. Mm. 
And it's the justification of the unloving act, which is going to darken her soul, less, more than the actual emotions in her that were there prior to yeah. the, the event. Yeah. So, you know, this is the problem that we face is that quite often we say or want it to be reasonable mm -hmm. to do certain things. And it's never, so in this case, it's never reasonable to abuse your own children emotionally, physically, sexually, or any way, in any way. It's never reasonable. And yet most people do it yeah. in some way. Why do they do it? Because they don't want to feel their own pain. And they feel they'd like to take their pain out on someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's very different than actually identifying the emotion of shame as the cause. Yes. So this is where I feel it's very important for a person to understand that. Yeah, I feel that's very important. And it is the case, not just with our children, but anyone that we choose to harm. Correct. We obviously have a feeling that that is justified in that case. Yes. And that is what we need to deal with first, isn't it? Yes. We need to look at the internal justification for the unloving act. Mm. And, and we have amazing justifications for unloving acts. And a lot of our justifications we believe are reasonable. Yeah. We believe that, they, that, that they, if we didn't believe it, we'd never do it. Mm -hmm. So we do believe they're reasonable. So the woman who aborts the child believes the justification for the abortion is reasonable. Well, even if you use that example of giving a mother a knife and saying to her, kill your, kill your child. child, and if you um, use a different example of giving a mother a knife and saying someone else wants to kill your child, she might, very, she might not ever feel justified in murdering her child, but she might feel justified in murdering, murdering the, other person. the other person. Exactly, who and is somebody's child. Who is somebody's <laughs> child, exactly. Yeah. Um, and society would also... Possibly justify it. Yeah, a lot in of fact, people in fact, would justify In many that. countries of the world, there's still the death penalty. So, of course, in every one of those countries, the, the majority of people justify it. Yeah. So, yeah. so they justify, uh, from God's perspective, an unlawful act mm -hmm. in order to prevent them from feeling certain emotions. Yeah. That's yeah. all they're doing. Yeah. And this is something that we need to understand. We're just justifying things all the time. We're justifying unloving acts all the time. And we need to stop doing it mm. if we're ever going to change. We need to look at the reasons why we justify it. What fears drive these justifications? And shame is a causal emotion. It's not fear. Yeah completely different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the lady attacking her son emotionally by shaming him and to, which controls him and manipulates him, that is, that is an unloving act driven not by her shame but by her fear. And it may be the fear of her shame or her oh, highly unlikely, fear I would of other pain, yes. mightn't it? fear of other pain. And she's using shame as a, a convenient... As a convenient scapegoat? Yep. To, to avoid the real feelings. Yep. But regardless of what the real thing is we're avoiding, the thing to deal with is the fear of that thing. Correct. Yeah. And the only way you can deal with the fear of that thing is to deal with your rage of that thing and mm -hmm. the addictions of that thing, yeah. and then you'll get to your fear of that thing. Well, part, partly your addiction is feeling that it's okay to harm another when, that emotion, when an emotion is triggered, is that right? Well, I'd say that's the rage perspective. The rage. Yeah, so it's okay to harm someone when your addiction is not met. So yeah. let's say a person has an addiction for safety. Yeah. When that addiction is not met, in other words, they feel unsafe, now they feel justified to murder somebody. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the case of a child, uh, of a mother with an, abor with an abortion, 
she's okay normally, she doesn't go around murdering people, but when her fear is triggered and her, and her addiction is no longer going to be met, now she feels justified in murdering a child that's yet unborn, yeah. who has no control over the situation whatsoever. Mm. And yet if that child was born, she would be convicted as a murderess and probably looked down upon by society for many, many years, mm. right? And yet when it's unborn, she has the justification that it's unborn, it's not a real child yet, I can get away with it, right? And these are all how, this is all how far we'll go in our justification. Yeah. We will murder in our justification. Yeah. The average person, the average person will murder in their justification. Yeah. And unless you're willing to release the causal emotional reason why that's the case, you will justify really bad behaviour that causes the degradation of your own and other people's soul. Mm. And some of that justification can be created just through the belief that I shouldn't have to feel fear. Yeah, I shouldn't and have to. I shouldn't have to feel fear. I shouldn't have to have some kind of inconvenience. Yeah. I shouldn't have to have some kind of discomfort. I shouldn't have to, like, and that's arrogance. Yes. That's also a lack of personal responsibility. So they're not shame-based emotions. They're different emotions mm -hmm. that are causing that action. Mm. So this is why, you know, I find this question quite interesting. And, uh, and, and here I'm not judging the woman. I'm just yeah. stating that this is... Uh, an illustration, it's a great illustration in fact, of how people want it to be one emotion that's causing their problem and even justifying that one emotion as the cause of their problem while at the same time not realising, no, there are much darker emotions driving this action that you're engaging in regularly than just this emotion of, you know, shame or whatever it is that yeah. they feel that, that is the main causal problem. Mm. And, and this is where I don't agree with the average concepts of most uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and everything that shame is the major cause of unloving behaviour. I don't agree with that. I, I, I do feel that it, it is certainly a participant mm -hmm. in causes of unloving behaviour. And surely it's the avoidance of shame rather than the feeling of shame. Correct. Yeah. It is the avoidance of any painful emotion that causes unloving behaviour. Mm -hmm and we need to stop avoiding painful emotion, then we will not, you know, once we stop avoiding painful emotion, we will then not engage unloving behaviour so readily. Yeah. You know, we'll feel the unloving emotion instead. That's what we will do. We will feel the underlying emotion. And this is where we need to go so, as a society. We need to stop justifying behaviour through belief systems that is unloving and we need to start saying no behaviour that is unloving is justifiable mm -hmm. under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then we need to start looking at ourselves and saying, okay, internally I have feelings that they are justifiable. I need to get those feelings that are inside of me and work through my anger and my addictions and my fears associated with those feelings so that I no longer justify these unloving behaviours. And that is completely separate to our processing of shame. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. So I feel we will answer questions about shame later on, but I just wanted to address this feeling of using an emotion to uh, justify unloving behaviour and basically using an emotion as an excuse to justify loving behaviour, and this is self-delusion. So it's interesting, in the statement or the question this lady asks, yeah. she's acknowledging that she has been in self-delusion and arrogance, yeah, yeah. but just not acknowledging how bad it goes, how, <laughs> how deeply it is rooted inside of her 
is yeah. so deeply rooted that she's willing to use uh, an emotion of harm to to damage her own child mm -hmm. in order to control and manipulate his behavior yeah. that's how strongly entrenched her belief is that she should be able to avoid her own pain mm. and and her willingness to attack another person and make them feel as much pain as she feels yeah. and that, that that is a very unloving course of action and rather than her feeling all like guilty and punished about it now that I've said all these things it would be far better for her to look at the reason why she feels she can justify this yeah and look I think this is such valuable um, information for all of us mm -hmm. because all of us at the moment are taking unloving actions and that's yeah. and we, justifying it and just well we have to be justifying it in order to do it exactly and that's such an important dynamic to recognize and yeah. to not get caught up in this idea of throwaway comments like oh I did that because of my shame or because of you know I that happened to me as a kid so I did it again yeah. Yeah. you know and it didn't happen like the uh, per, under those circumstances every single sexual abuser would uh, every person who's been sexually abused would be a sexual abuser and that's not the case no. see some of them are so angry that they feel justified to abuse another yeah some of them are not yeah. some of them feel so hurt that they could never abuse another the same way yes. uh, and see it's very very different response yes and and the response is completely independent of what happened yeah the response is based upon a justification that they should be able to take an action to damage another because that action was taken to damage them. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very different emotion that drives that. Yep. That's emotions of, you know, arrogance, lack of humility to your emotion, a desire to avoid your own pain, a desire to create as much pain in other people that you have inside of yourself and so forth. And they are quite dark emotions and we need to acknowledge they exist inside of us and then look at the root causes of them which mm. are all emotions that we need to experience and release. Mm. 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 Great. I think that'll be helpful for a lot of people actually that that question and answer. Yeah I feel so. Like I, I feel that a lot of people are using sort of emotional excuses for their behavior and and there is no excuse for bad behavior. No. From God's perspective there is no excuse for bad behavior at all. That's why every one of God's loving laws corrects bad behavior for whatever reason you took it. Yes. And this is why every one of God's laws, there is a penalty upon your soul if you take an action that results in your being unloving to another person. There will be a penalty on your soul. And, and this is independent of how many things have happened to you. Yeah. Right? And so it should be. Yeah. Because you're making a decision to harm another purposefully and you shouldn't be. <laughs> if anything, you should, what you should be doing is feeling the own harm that was brought to you and never, never harm another because mm. of how much you were harmed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and a person who's truly loving would never wish to harm another person just because they themselves have been harmed in the past. Mm. And they would never even consider it as a justification. Never. Would they? Because when we... Uh, developed in love, we take responsibility for all of our actions because yes. that's how God views yes. us as well. And we see our actions as independent as what, to what happened to us. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that we see our taking an action to harm another as a decision we are now making to harm another 
And it doesn't matter what excuse we use for that decision. The reality is we are taking a decision, making one to, to harm another. And that's what somebody did to harm us. Mm. And, and really, if we, if we think about it logically, we can see that somebody who did it to us obviously thought they had a justification at the time. Yeah. Right? And does it feel inside of you like there, should, there was any justification? No, it mm. does not. And this is how it feels from God's perspective. From God's perspective, there is no justification for any unloving behaviour. Yeah. None whatsoever. And if you are making justifications for unloving behaviour, you are already extremely out of harmony with God's laws of love and therefore you will receive the penalty of being such, so much out of harmony. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's very, very damaging to believe that you have the right to harm another just because you have been harmed, yeah. even by that person. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Great. Thank Good you. <laughs> Our next question yeah. comes from, I don't know who it comes from, but yeah. I'll, it in, again involves a paragraph, so I'll read right. that to you. Okay. They say, how can I deal with suppressed anger of many, many years? I do not seem to accept emotionally this anger, even when I know it is the only way for me to go forward. Mm -hmm. How can I accept this anger, which will lift the roof of my castle, in it? And will it help me to release myself and to be free? Mm -hmm. How can someone deal with anger when you, ha when you always have shown another persona? Mm -hmm. Facade. Is it because I have to forgive and I'm not ready, exclamation, exclamation mark, <laughs> to do so? Mm -hmm. I know yeah. I have to do the work myself and that no one else can do this for me, but how can I go past this huge block? Mm. Well, the question itself again demonstrates a lot of the errors of thinking here mm -hmm. and that are causing this person to remain blocked towards processing anger. The, if, we, if we look at some of the, the statements that are made, first, first if we go to this statement, when am I ready? You know, like when will I be ready or am I ready or will I, I become I'm ready? Not ready? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. All of these things. These statements saying you're not ready, they are just an excuse to get you away from the responsibility of taking control of your own life. Mm. Whenever you say you're not ready, you're basically saying, I don't want to take control of my own life. Because when you decide, really decide with a pure heart that you want to take control of your own life, you will do it. Right? And it's not some magical solution that you'll become ready through a whole series of processes, although the law of attraction is going to bring you a whole series of processes which will eventually force you into being ready. <laughs> but even then, you will still need to take the, make the choice and decision to, through the use of your will, to take the action to process through something emotionally. Mm -hmm. Now in the case of this person, uh, again a lady, I can feel, um, who basically is struggling with anger and rage. And she's saying that she's had suppressed, she's suppressed her anger and rage for many, many years. Yeah. Well, yes, this is a problem. Suppression of anger and rage for many, many years is a problem. However, she likes to have the anger and rage within her. Mm -hmm. Because if she didn't like it, she would release it. Yeah. So she likes it. So what I would do first is examine the reasons why 
having anger and rage within her is acceptable to her. Yeah. What she gets out of having anger and rage within her. Yeah. And she will find that people are automatically scared of her and she likes that. <laughs> mm. Because it gives her control over situations she otherwise would not have control over. Yeah. Right? So what she needs to do is examine with a pure heart the real reasons why she likes to be angry or why she likes to have anger within her at least. And there will be a lot of emotional reasons why a person wants to feel and never release their anger. A lot of it's to do too with feeling of weakness. They feel angry, anger makes them feel strong yeah. and powerful. And they are unwilling to feel weak and powerless. And so they become addicted to having the anger remain within them. Yeah. But there's also, this lady has some guilt about the anger remaining in her. She does. She does. So this is an indication that in her childhood probably there's been some experiences where the anger was condemned or judged in some way or even she was punished. So she's afraid of expressing it. Yep. Now she is going to have to at some point go through acknowledgement of many of these emotions in order to start feeling her anger. Mm. And even when she starts feeling her anger she's going to have to be very careful. Because if she's not careful, she will use her anger as a tool to feel powerful rather than as a, you know, just feeling her anger alone in her bedroom and releasing it so that she can get to the addiction that is underneath it. It's always an addiction that's <laughs> underneath the anger. It's, it's very interesting, isn't it, how um, you've spoken in many seminars saying to people, you need to release your anger like get you often use the phrase get out the baseball bat and go and yes uh, beat the punching bag or whatever it yes. is but this woman hasn't even tried that i'd feel no and the reason why is she is already she's justifying the the uh keeping of the anger inside of her she doesn't really want to even attempt to release it and yep. that that is an issue and a problem yeah so it seems like from what you're saying, the, just that act of getting the baseball bat and punch or bashing something is not necessarily the way we're going to actually release anger. Not in this case. Because we have to work through these investments we have in maintaining it that you mentioned, things like control yes. and um, feeling of strength. And well, she's suppressing her anger yeah. for a start. So she needs to look at the belief systems that she has about why she needs to suppress her anger. So that could be about facade and things like and that. And that, that is a lot about facade, yes. About wanting to maintain a facade, wanting to look better than she actually feels inside and holding on to feeling that if people see her real anger and real self and how angry she actually is that no one will love her and no one will care for her. And there's a lot of other reasons why she would be suppressing her anger. And she needs to be sincere about finding them. Mm -hmm. And she's not, mm -hmm. at this point, sincere about finding them. She needs to allow herself to develop a sincerity to find the reasons why she suppresses her anger. Yeah. The second thing she needs to do is to find the reasons why she resists her anger. Right? And that suppression and resistance are not always the same thing. They're not always the same reasons. For some people, they resist their anger for a different reason than they suppress it. 
So sometimes we suppress it because of how other people might feel and we resist it because we might feel something. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean we might feel yes. bad or we're afraid that we'll actually do something really bad when we're angry or yeah. something like that. And they are different fears that are causing us to resist. So she needs to look at the soul, how the soul functions in this aspect of suppression and resistance because these are the things stopping her from feeling her anger. Mm. And she needs to look at the belief systems that surround the reasons why she believes she should suppress and resist her anger. Yeah. And she needs to be sincere about this process of, of doing that. Then she'll at least start expressing some anger and then she's going to have to be very careful because inside of her there are some emotions where she wants to hold on to the anger because it feels powerful and in control. Mm -hmm. And there's a temptation going to be for her that when she starts expressing her anger, that she uses it to gain power and control rather than actually going into a bedroom and privately or being privately expressive of her own rage and just connecting to the rage itself. Yeah. So that's the course of action I would suggest that she takes. Now, she's going to find that quite difficult to take. And there are lots of reasons why. Because a person who's been suppressing anger for years and years obviously has some very strong investments in the suppression. And unless she's really sincere about those investments, it's going to be very, very difficult for her to allow herself to experience her anger. Mm. But she must understand that this is something to do with her will. She's going to need to have a strong will to get to that place. And it doesn't matter, you know, there's not going to be any other magical solution. There's not going to be someone or some event that comes along that, uh, that causes her to all of a sudden do it magically. She's going to have to allow the law of attraction to bring her events still, but she's going to have to soften to the, the feeling of anger that she has in acknowledgement and allow the expression of it in a private way so that she doesn't connect to these other addictions of maintaining power and control. So it is going to be quite a difficult process for her to begin doing that. Now, of course, she can pray to her God, to God, to allow her to, to you know, help, to help her to bring events to her that trigger her anger, so that <laughs> she can have a more sincere look at her anger. She can also ask for help from her guides to to remind her to not go into the power place and not go into the wanting control over others when she experiences her anger, but rather remove herself to a place of personal safety and safety for others when she experiences her anger. Yeah. But she also needs to understand that her anger is driven by addiction and fear. Yeah. And at some point she's going to have to get beyond her desire to stay angry mm -hmm. and get into more of a desire to feel the addiction that drives it and then get into the fear that controls the addiction that drives her anger. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to mean softening to quite a few emotions that she's unprepared to soften to at mm. this point in time. I know she's unprepared because she's suppressing anger. <laughs> <laughs> if, if she wasn't suppressing her anger, she, um, she, she would be then feeling her anger, which means that she's prepared to feel her anger, yeah. <laughs> that she wants to feel her anger in her soul. At this stage, she does not want to feel her anger in her soul. And so I would look at why she does not want to mm. feel the anger in her soul. What her, are her internal justifications for retaining this anger within her? So why she thinks it's a good idea to stay the way she is rather than to change. Correct. Yeah. And she'll have very strong emotional investments 
some of which involve other people and some of which involve herself, mm -hmm. about the reason why she wants to remain in this place of anger. Mm. The key is to allow yourself to feel every one of them. When you feel them, they'll release from you. And then once they release from you, you'll start feeling anger more readily. And then you'll have to be careful about how you experience your anger. And you'll have to start allowing yourself to see it's the addiction now that drives that anger. Yeah. And allow yourself to start feeling the addiction and your justification yeah. for the rage-based response to the addiction not being met. It seems to me that there's two ways that we can experience anger. And one is in a way that's quite harmful to others. Yes. And another is a way where it feels quite painful to ourselves, but, but it is, doesn't harm others. But doesn't harm others. Yes. And that second space is the space where change happens, we get more in contact with our addictions, yeah. fear is more evident, those things. Yes. There's a lovely scripture in the Bible and it says, be angry but do not sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we sin, it means that when we, that's when we take the action to harm another mm. or harm ourselves yes. in our anger. Many people do that too. Many people get so angry with themselves that they're willing to suicide or, or take, you know, cut themselves and do other things towards themselves. Both actions are sinning. Yeah. You need to stop taking actions that are out of harmony with love towards yourself or another but just feel the anger. And this is where most people again aren't prepared to go. They're not prepared to feel the pain that's involved with feeling anger. Mm. They want to act out their anger and start blaming the environment, someone externally for their anger, or even harming themselves for, you know, for having the anger, rather than actually just feeling the anger as an emotional experience. The most loving thing to do with anger is to feel it as an emotional experience and find the underlying addiction that covers the fear. Yeah. Because it's the addiction that covers the fear that is causing the justification for the rage. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to find it. Yeah. And we need to be sincere about finding it. And it seems that we also need to be sincere about breaking down the facade we have around our anger. Correct. This lady's saying, you know, she's used to being showing another persona to others yes. and um, lots of people. And there's a lot of, us... of fear in that. Yes. So, so. so there is, in her there is fear of anger mm. and her fear of anger is a lot about things like, you know, what's going to happen to her if she experiences it? Yeah. How will other people perceive her? Mm. Will she be punished? Will she be violently abused if she feels mm. a feeling of anger? And these, all of these kind of feelings come from our childhood generally where we have been violently abused when we felt angry or where we were afraid of the withdrawal of love when we got angry and so forth. And these are all feelings that need to be experienced before a soul change can take place. And it doesn't matter how much you maintain a facade and try to act lovingly, the real soul change will not occur until you feel your way through those emotions mm -hmm. and develop a desire, and obviously to do that you need to develop a desire to feel your way through those emotions rather than reverting to the facade. Yeah. So what we notice a lot of people who are attempting to do is they want to revert to the facade. It's like, you know, you go, here we go again, another <laughs> facade, you know. And then they say, then they, like we had a recent exchange of emails with somebody who we told her about her facade, she emails back another facade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we tell her about our facade, she emails back another facade. Yeah. 
is, when are you going to give up the facade and just say that you're really angry <laughs> and, and, and stop making out that you actually got a handle of it and realize that you've got no idea what's going on. It's you know? so crazy, isn't it? Because we naturally respond to a person with less facade and yet most of us are so invested in maintaining our facade. Aren't Correct, we? yeah. And we have all sorts of emotional reasons why we want to maintain the emotional facade. So we need to stop focusing on, you know, stop focusing on the facade itself and start focusing on why we wish to maintain it. Yeah. And that requires some sincere analysis of yourself emotionally. You need to feel about why, what you get out of the facade. Mm. You get other people thinking you're something you're not. Isn't that wonderful? It's <laughs> what you think. But I tell you what, a lot of people who have invested in facade on the earth after they pass into the spirit world are absolutely shocked because they realize there is no way they can maintain their facade anymore. And the only way they can any way maintain a facade is by coming back to earth, being invisible to other people. Mm. But because everybody they see in the spirit world sees exactly who they are. No facade. Right? And that's why a lot of people become earthbound, because they, they hate the idea that everybody can see them. Can see and that they'd rather stay here on earth where nobody can really see them. Yeah. You know, because they don't ever want to work their way through their desire for their own facade. Mm. And this is, again, you know, we keep emphasizing this in these emotional questions. The use of your will is paramount in solving every problem. Yeah. You need to use your will. You need to have a desire to address these problems before they're ever going to be solved. Mm. And that's where I see the majority of people struggling the, with the exercise of their will. They, they want a magical solution. Yeah. They want someone to come along and save them. They want somebody to cure them without them having to take any action. They want a pill for their problem yeah. rather than actually coming to terms with what's caused the problem inside of them and feel the pain associated with that. Mm. Mm. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks.